boomers, bees, bunnies, and buccaneers! Welcome to the Sega-sational world of Sonic the Comic! <laughs> Welcome to the Sonic the Comic podcast! We take you through the Sega-sational world of Sega and Sonic in 1996. We're the humans who think we're in charge. I'm Dave Bulmer. I'm Chris McFeely, and we also have a guest with us this episode. Hello, I'm Owen. <laughs> and I do the Infinite Review on YouTube, where I'm reviewing the entire universe one thing at a time. I also host the Studio Mala podcast, a podcast by and for the world's coolest animation studio, Studio Mala, located in Ireland. Oh, are those the guys who did um, Wolf Walkers and that, or is that another one? No, they're probably the actual coolest animation studio. <laughs> We're the underdogs, which makes us cooler than them, but they are more successful than we are. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, Infinite Review is one of my favorite YouTube series. It's one of those where, like, when it comes out, I watch it that day. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Everybody should watch the Infinite Review. It is very good. It's very good. And more people should watch it because it is very good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, as soon as everyone's finished to this, head on over for more of this kind of arrogance. Now, the reason why I have Owen here today is because our DMs begin when I was listening to an episode of Game Wank, another podcast I like, in which Owen was on and him and Jim Trinker just started taking the piss out of me for not having yet invited them onto this podcast. And so me and Owen's DM history starts with me saying, well, listen, the, the only reason I've not invited you on is that, like, I don't want to burden people I respect with my Sonic the Hedgehog nonsense. But on the podcast, and I, this is in the DMs, I say, but I'm on to you, Owen, because I heard you say Chaotic's crew. He calls them the Chaotic's crew. And that means only one thing. That means you read our comic. No, no. <laughs> It just goes to show you were right to call me out because yeah. I wouldn't have known the Chaotix crew by any other no. name. No, they're just called Chaotix elsewhere. STC came up with crew as far as we can tell. That seems to be a thing for the comic. I haven't looked too deeply into it, but that's the conclusion we've chosen to reach. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, Owen, tell us your history with this comic. I should say from the top, when I listen to Sonic the Comic the Podcast, I'm consistently amazed by your ability to remember the past. <laughs> it is like a superpower to me. And I suppose I would be the arch nemesis, the yeah. supervillain, because my superpower is being unable to remember anything. Right. I've got an awful memory. Mm. So I will not be able to give you specifics on exactly when, like, Sonic the Comic first caught yeah. my eye in a news agent. But I do know when I look at the covers, a lot of them don't jump out at me. But I see, like, from around the 80 to 100 or so issues. I definitely was big into it for a while and I loved um, not tracing but certainly taking a lot of influence from the drawings in there while mm. drawing my own cool Sonic characters. Well, we'll get into it more as we go into the comic, but I really thought the Chaotix crew were awesome. Yeah. I did a lot of Vector the Crocodile drawings in my time. And I think I've at one point I had a Sonic the Comic uh, Frisbee. <laughs> Does this ring? Well, they gave away plenty of them. So I definitely had one of those. Tell Chris what you DM'd me about the other day. <laughs> I was listening to... It would have been 87? Yeah. I was just uh, making my dinner. Had Son of the Commons podcast number 87 on. And Dave starts recounting a story. And I feel... I'm shaken to the core because I've uh, recounted a tale on the podcast definitely before about how when I was younger, someone said that they were willing to send the Sonic movie to me on a disc. So Dave was describing this situation of getting the Sonic animated movie on a disc 
And I'm thinking, this is sounding too familiar. Then other clues start coming in, like, from Germany. <laughs> I was like, yes. And the clincher was no subtitles, but a text file <laughs> that had the whole script typed out, which does not work <laughs> when you're watching something because you'll have a line that isn't actually coming up for another five minutes mm. that you can see in advance. But uh, I was just astounded because I had recounted this memory on podcasts before of like, I can't believe that in my youth, there was a time that I, I online just gave someone like a stranger my home address <laughs> so that they could send me the animated Sonic movie. And so like the risk reward in that situation is, yes, someone might show up and kill me, but, <laughs> but. <laughs> maybe... I'll get the Sonic animated movie. I mean, look, like, look at these screenshots. Knuckles has this hat. I need to see this. Sonic puts his middle finger up. Yeah. It's important. It's for grown-ups. I'm ready. You've still never seen it, you know? <laughs> no, no. At this point, I'm now specifically waiting until it comes up in the pages of this comic yeah. to watch it. If it does. It's got a great soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Recently unearthed in full. Yeah. I got that one saved. Not letting that disappear on YouTube. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing something about that. Yeah. Mm, look alike. A classic. I don't know if a great soundtrack is necessarily right, but we like it, don't we? <laughs> oh, <Ooh>, fight. <laughs> 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 Yeah, so that must have been Alessandro, who wrote in to Speedlines a few episodes ago. We must we must have both got that disc from the same guy. If I'd been online a year earlier, it seems like I probably would have been in the same position. I had no idea who it was who sent it me. I couldn't remember, but I often thought back on that and just I was amazed at the fact that someone would just send me that. Like, they didn't ask for any money. Mm. They just wanted to spread the love, I guess. Yeah. And I, I kind of thought, like, oh, I'd love to find out who that was and just say you know oh thanks for sending that and you know not showing up and killing me but as soon as I had the information it's like oh my god I, f I could finally say thanks I thought ah no I won't bother <laughs> <laughs> well maybe he's out there now listening to this if you are listening to this now thank you very much for sending that because I mean that was just great getting my hands on that yeah and also write in <laughs> yes write in Alessandro all right, let's do some comic. Right, we are here with issue number 91. Mm. 91 yeah. of Sonic the Comic, cover dated the 26th of November 1996, released on November 13th. Halfway through November. That's nearly as many issues of Sonic the Comic as the Queen ever read. <laughs> Didn't she make it to issue 96 or something, the Queen? We're not doing Queen jokes on this podcast. <laughs> it's a Carl Flint cover. We've got Sonic in space, sort of. What's the biggest way you can tell it's a Carl Flint cover? That little bit of slightly bent back multimedia just over the <laughs> the, the intersection of his eye and his muzzle. Yeah, little, little corner of paper just fluttered down and landed there. I suppose he would have looked at a little triangle of white like that and thought, ah, there'll probably be a frisbee over that or something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, alas, no free gift this issue. We've just got a new story, the hive buzzing action. Oh, yes, because the rest of the cover... Oh, yeah, we should say what it is, yeah. ...is uh, Sonic is in space in front of this rock-like structure. Yeah, this gold-crunchy-looking thing. The titular hive, as we will see inside. And Charmy Bee's buzzing around above him as well. I don't know what Sonic's meant to be on. He's just there. He's just standing in the universe. Yeah. Got a badnik pin-up. Good. I mean... 
There's also a new story, Decap Attack, Mr. Cuddlebunny, and a new story, Captain Plunder, Shanghai, and yet they feel that the Badnik pinup yeah. deserves higher billing than those. Yeah. Plus, we've also got Sonic 3 Q-Zone tips for the Ice Cap and Launch Base, and Mega Drive reviews of Pocahontas and Pinocchio. That's quite a lot of cover lines now that I step back and look at it. Yeah. That's literally everything that's in the comic. I guess if your cover is really putting Charmy B in the spotlight, you have to be like, look, don't worry. (laughs) There's loads of other stuff in here. I love Charmy, though, so... He's a big Charmy fan, this one. Now, I'm not saying I would necessarily feel compelled to buy a comic just because Charmy... If I saw a comic just sitting on a shelf today and Charmy B was on the cover, I'd gravitate towards it. I would, it's true. Especially (laughs) if it was, you know, some obscure dirty manga or something. And there's Charmy B! (laughs) Well, I meant in Tesco's. In the dirty manga section at Tesco. Oh, well, stuff slips through. You know, the dirty Charmy Bee manga could easily end up next to the uh, meal deals. <laughs> just Amanda, just uh, Just before we go inside, over on the back cover, there is an unassuming advert. It's an advert for the Judge Dredd Action Special. Lights, camera, action special, it says. And then it's just a picture of the cover of this one-shot special. Um, which I have since learned, didn't know it at the time, but no, no. This was the comic in which they printed the last remaining few strips that they'd made for Judge Dredd, Lawman of the Future. The title I oh. read and dropped Sonic the Comic in favour of. <laughs> oh, th- that yeah. that must have been gutting if you missed it. Did, did you miss it? I did not know this existed. Until now? It, it, it wasn't wrapping up the stories or anything. Oh. The story finished in Lawman of the Future. This was just a few other strips that they had that they um, that they dumped in this special. But it was only after we talked about the end of Lawman of the Future and the end of my time with uh, STC earlier this year that discussion on Twitter made me realise the strips in this must be what the proposed crossover was going to be. Do you remember the Uh last issue of Lawman of the Future had on the back cover, watch Sonic for details, there's a big crossover with Judge Dredd coming. And obviously what it must have been was, at that point, they were planning to dump the last few remaining strips made for Lawman of the Future as backups in STC. Yes, of course! And then they never did and printed this instead. I wonder ooh, because because that would have ostensibly fitted in with an earlier version of STC when you had, you know, revolving stories based on other games and stuff. And like, yeah, Judge Dredd isn't a game, but it's a pop culture thing. Mm. I can see how they would have had that idea. But no, it doesn't fit. Do you know what double occurred to me, actually, as well, was just recently, was the precise timeline never occurred to me before. But when Shining Force ends, mm-hmm. then it's the third birthday issue right after that. So the decision to discontinue Sega Superstar strips was probably like a conscious year four decision. Yeah. Because a lot of the other bigger things that happen in the change of format in the comic are related to the comic's birthdays or the start of calendar years. Like it's going to get a bit of a makeover in 1997 in January. But then also whenever it passes the fifth birthday issue, it's after then that they start adding in a reprint strip. Oh. So I would bet it was because the third birthday was crossed, that they made this conscious internal decision to make it all Sonic. And that was why they never printed these dread strips. 
And something that I now know from, like, working a little bit on comics and so on is that, like, they're constantly doing market research and the data that they get back from that they do use and they do, you know, change direction of things. So, like, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, the the kids were saying, yeah, we're getting a bit sick of some of this stuff. Shining Force <laughs> ain't it. Um, and they took that to mean, okay, never anything other than Sonic. Could be. Rats, Road Rangers, and Mean Machine Mayhem is what it says this strip contains. You've seen the film, you've bought the video, now get the Judge Dredd action special. They were treating it as if it was only a film. (laughs) I know that I would have seen that advert on the back and thought, that's very cool, but I would have felt that I'm not, I can't buy that. Yeah. That's clearly for... Big boys. For, for people, grown-ups. Yeah, same. Yeah. That is for older brothers, that is. The th- yeah, I mean, Lawman of the Future was... It was very much... It was for a, a roughly contemporous audience with Sonic the Comic. It wasn't full-on, super-violent Judge Dredd like you'd expect from regular Judge Dredd. And when I've said to you that I had friends who were into that in my like best friend circle... They were younger than me. So, you know, even though I, I agree, I was like, oh, I can't, I'm not reading Judge Dredd, it's for big kids. But they were younger than me. <laughs> younger, but cooler. Yes. I mean, yeah, at, at the age of, what are we now, 14? Yeah. That's really old enough to be reading Judge Dredd. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is, isn't it? <laughs> mind you, mind you, Ma-na-ma-na. the Judge Dredd film was a 15. Oh. And I told the story when we were talking about Lawman of the Future before that it would occasionally, within its pages, make the point that young oh, yeah. earthlets, or whatever they call them, shouldn't be watching the film because it's a 15 certificate and that's not allowed. Mm. I mean, that's a grown-ups movie. <laughs> that's... <laughs> You need a certain amount of maturity before yeah. you're ready for that kind yeah. of serious cinema. cerebral yeah. <laughs> action. I'm still not old enough to see it. <laughs> but they've abandoned all pretense now. You've seen the film, you've bought the video, now yeah. get the action special. You shouldn't have done either no. of those things if no. you're going by the old rules. No, no. Naughty and rude. Naughty. No mention of Lawman of the Future, though, is the thing, mm. which is where these strips would have originated. They just, it's just marketed as Judge Dredd. But then I suppose, why would you market it after a failed comic? Control Zone. It's an extra empty Control Zone this week. <laughs> But yeah. for a good reason, for a change. Yes. Because literally, like, Megadroid's box is just bunched down into a couple of lines he just lists the contents of the comic and that's it yep. there's nothing there's nothing in there at all nice little font as well which mm. we like here on SDCTP <laughs> <laughs> really making a squint for it yeah. this is probably the last few years we could do this podcast <laughs> But the reason it's so small, Dave. Yes. So most of the page is taken up with bloomer alert. Blue- bloomer? Yes. Okay, yeah. Bloomer like an auntie's bloomers. Oh, like a, like like a cock up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bloomer alert. That, we sh- that should have been completely fluent. Well, I should have known what that meant the same way I know what a compo is. Yeah, but it didn't. Well, you know what? No, it's because you wanted it to be Boomer. Yeah. I think I actually read it as Boomer. Yeah. And I didn't realize it said Bloomer until you said Bloomer right there and then. Okay, so we're idiots and also they're idiots. We, do we need to tell the audience what a Bloomer is? Because we all know, but... Well, it's like an outtake, isn't it? It's like a gaff hmm. and a cock-up and a silly biz. Oh, welcome to Auntie's Bloomers. Some crafty rummage around the BBC's drawers. <laughs> Gather together a comedy of errors many never seen before on British television. This is the show that keeps in all the cock-ups and cuts out all the best bits. <laughs> now, those of you who remember Crossroads will get the general idea. <laughs> 
Is it just a turn of phrase, or does it originate with Auntie? It's Auntie's Bloomers. Well, I don't know. No, it can't do because it must be that Auntie's Bloomers is a reference to because because Auntie was the name for the BBC. That was a colloquial. Yes. I don't know who used to call that Auntie BBC, but somebody did. Whether we the people did that or whether people inside the BBC called it Auntie, I don't know. They brought out an outtakes show and they called it Auntie's Bloomers. The joke being that an Auntie would have would have Bloomers because it's the woman, but presumably bloomers already meant outtakes but for our generation like that's the only time you ever heard them referred to as bloomers wasn't it yeah they're bloopers otherwise bloopers, yeah. but is it a, is it a play on bloopers maybe i don't know simply don't know we could look it up we could look it up and i'll drop in the information at a random time in the podcast and you'll never know when it's coming so anyway, this is apologising for a cock-up. It says a belated apology to those boomers who noticed that the, <laughs> that the fourth page of STC-88 Sonic's World Story Future Shock looked remarkably like the third page. Circuits were obviously being blown and the wrong lettering was printed. However, STC can now reveal the scaled-down version C-Write. And yeah, the, basically the smallest they can print it and make it legible, which is actually quite pleasantly large taking yeah. up a lot of this page, is that entire page printed again with the correct speech balloons on. So we knew that it would be printed later in a, in a reprint. Uh, we didn't know it would be printed so soon here. I remember seeing this bloomer alert at the time and it being how I learned all the text and sound effects would be separate elements. Oh, because yeah. Not knowing anything, yeah. I would have just assumed the page is the page. You know, it's just sitting somewhere as one finished piece. Yeah. And, you know, it was my first, like, oh, lettering's a job. And compiling all these things together is something someone has to do. Yeah. And can do wrong. Yeah, because otherwise it means that in issue 88, someone, the artist, sat there drawing and writing all the wrong speech balloons a second time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in exactly the same place. Yeah. <laughs> and I, but I never thought of it like that. Yeah. I wonder when I first realised lettering was a separate element like that. I think for me it would have been seeing the letterers credited in this because I would have been interested in that side of things I think by then I was trying to find out who the artists were. And... No no but but like Owen says like even knowing that it was a separate mm. overlay that goes on top of the art and isn't just put on the I know, know when I found that out it was when I got my first page of STC art and it has the letters on and it's a piece of acetate laid over it that you can flap up or down depending on whether you want to see the art underneath that was when I found out. And that it's not just Tipex. I thought that it would be, like, painted on. But it seems to be cut out from paper and stuck on somehow. There's no sign of how. There's no... The glue hasn't turned yellow. There's no tape, nothing like that. I don't know how it's on there. But it just seems to be a separate piece that's been scalpeled out and put on. There's uh, one other thing from the control zone I'd just like to point out before we move on. Because it will become essential <laughs> later on to making things make some sort of sense. Megadroid finishes up his yes. intro with, well, take it away, Dave. <laughs> okay. I want to hear you say it. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, has it got a pronunciation? I don't know. Finally, there's a Speedlines treat in store for North of the Border Boomers, seeing as it's St. Andrew's Day on the 30th of November. Oh, yes, I see. On the 30th of November, Cheerio the New. <laughs> Yeah, this is a stealth Scottish issue, and there'll be loads of it going forward. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, there's plenty of potential for comedy Scottish accents <laughs> coming up this episode, Boomers. <laughs> Chris has got one locked and loaded, don't you worry about it. Owen and I are allowed to do that, though, because we're like <laughs> sure. of similar Gaelic origins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are our Celtic brothers. Hey, I'm Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> the Singer Shorts.
Obviously, the only chart that matters anymore is the Saturn chart, because everything's just bobbing up and down like ships adrift in the ocean on the Mega Drive and Mega CD, and goodness knows what's happening on the Game Gear. They're all just sort of rustling about down the bottom of a hole somewhere. (laughs) But on the Saturn, we've got three, in the top three positions, one, two, three, we've got three new entries. At the top, you got Knights. We know about Knights. Number two, Exhumed. Now, Exhumed, that is actually the European title. There's, it's got a different title in every region. In Japan, it's called 1999 AD Resurrection of the Pharaoh. And, uh, and in America, it's called... Anyone? No. Mummy's Alive? <laughs> <laughs> it, th- no, it's, uh, in America, it's called Power Slave. Oof. Well, well, now, people bigger boys than me and cooler boys than me, will be shouting. That is because Power Slave was the name of an Iron Maiden album, Ah. and it had an ancient Egypt but angry sort of a cover on it. And and it's got on it the song that Sam told us about because it was in... Do you remember there was a racing game, Rock and Roll Racing, that used... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was in that. So maybe this game in America was, like, marketed as if it was a tie-in with this album, which was an old album. It wasn't coming out now, I don't think. Mm -hmm. It can't have done because it was in that game. Anyway, I don't know. I didn't find any evidence of that. It is an FPS. It's Doom in ancient Egypt. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it looks good. You've got a sword in front of you all the time, but you have got a gun as well, I think. You're going around tombs and stuff. You know, Tomb Raider is coming out around now, so that's a thing that's happening. I don't think this is made with the Doom engine, but it might as well be. Like, I can't personally tell any great difference. It just looks like Doom in ancient Egypt to me. But apparently this is a PC port which added lots of features that weren't in the original game that kind of makes it Metroidvania-y. So you're picking up, unlocking different moves and stuff. There you go, that's that one. And then the third one, Alien Trilogy. As in the Alien films. As in the Alien films, but it's just one game called Alien Trilogy. It's another Doom clone. Oh. It's ported from PlayStation, and it is described as a rare example of a PlayStation game ported to Saturn that's just as good. One person described it as that. Others seem to think it isn't Not so much. quite as good. <laughs> uh, before we move off the charts, I must ask Owen, Owen, what consoles did you have back in the day? Oh, I was an absolute Mega Drive boy mm. all the way good i knew someone with a mega cd which just seemed like more than i did magical yeah. to me just seeing one mm. not using it obviously it was an older brother situation i wasn't touching that oh you know the the friend i knew who had one he brought it round my house one time and we didn't play on it because i didn't have the appropriate cable <laughs> but he brought it round my house hey looking at it was just as good <laughs> We put Sonic CD on the CD player and looked at it. That's not a joke. That's what we did. <laughs> I owned a Game Gear much later because there was... Mm. I don't know. If, did you have Game over in Britain? The shop. Yeah. We still have that, yeah. Yeah, it probably is a British shop, but we don't have it here anymore. They've all become mm. GameStops. But when we had Game, there was a game in town which just found unsold boxed game gears at one point like i've got the receipt for it somewhere that's like from 2004 (laughs) and they were just getting rid of them and it was like 30 euro it's like well i'm i'm gonna buy uh like a mint mint in box game gear yeah i was gonna say mizb game gear yeah did you get it out or have you kept it in the box no i took it out because you know you think wow i'll play this then and you know like within a day you're fed up of it. Yeah. <laughs> I should have kept that in the box. But uh, it was just wonderful to, in 2004, buy a box that looked like that. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. But it had text and look. I mean, like proper 
old-fashioned game gear yeah, yeah, yeah. written across it with so much tood that could not be backed up by a quality product. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my, my favorite thing about the charts is actually in the Game Gear section, and it's right down at the bottom. It's Star Trek Generations dropping into 10th place. And it's just wonderful to know that in 1996, someone had to know that information. <laughs> Like, they had to know where <laughs> Generations for the Game Gear was in the sales charts. It's just, there was never a time when that mattered. <laughs> I don't know who was opening some of the comic, looking at that chart and think, oh, <laughs> guys, you know, careful yeah. there. I'd hate to see it drop off. I mean, I haven't seen Star Trek Generations on the Game Gear, but there's it almost be good, it's like. definitely rubbish yeah. it's definitely yeah. absolutely rubbish there's a certain combination of words in that sentence <laughs> that just although if it's got like a character like switch back and forth <laughs> thing between picard and Kirk, oh wouldn't that be good maybe they have to give each other boosts over walls <laughs> oh that'd that be great thing. or like a lost vikings type yes! thing just two guys <laughs> We need Captain Kirk to turn the crank so Picard can cross the bridge over the other side. <laughs> the Hive, Part 1. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Roberto Corona. Corona. Colours by Joan Burns and letters by Tom Frame. Late at night, Sonic spots Charmy B in a spot of trouble. Two emissaries from his home, the Hive, have come to drag him back there. Sonic reluctantly decides to accompany Charmy and is shocked to discover that he's actually a prince, the son of the Hive's queen, and he's in trouble with his mum for not calling her. Family squabbles have to take a back seat, however, when the Hive comes under attack by the evil Vesper and his wasp warriors. You are not allowed to go in this little yellow slot. That is forbidden. <laughs> Can't go in the little yellow slot. Yeah, so what about this one then? Yeah, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? Like, I, I like, here's what I like. I like this big page picture of the hive. Mm. Page three is a lovely big page picture of them flying towards the hive. And it's all kind of gold, but not overstated. And it's all made out of millions of different bits and chunks. And I don't know how you would start drawing it. Yes, I do. And I know how you'd finish it. But I don't know how you'd like middle drawing it. And it's got a planet in the background. And what he's done is he's drawn the clouds going further out than the planet. And it, I, that's great to me. I always want to draw clouds around planets like I was going to say, I would have thought the thing about this page that really catches your attention is the... Uh, it's a nice just full page splash of weirdness. Yeah. Special zone weirdness. Rubik's cubes flying through the air and dots and moons. Exactly. The first panel in this entire strip is a dark space shot of the special zone. That is more like it. Because last time it was all sort of pink and sunsetty, and we were all weird about it, weren't we? Mm, now it's space. Yeah. Again, the way it should be. And it's full of tiddlywinks and ribbons. <laughs> like space should be. They do say it's this Chaotix Crew's secret satellite base again, but we're finding out with each passing issue that it doesn't seem to be that secret. <laughs> I don't know, I didn't think much of this one, if I'm completely honest. Much as I was bigging up Charmy back on the cover, this one didn't do a lot for me. Well, there is a very funny moment early on with Sonic. It, it's you know ideal for that out-of-context Sonic the comic, just slap one frame online and get people wound up, yeah. but... It's Sonic seeing Charmy B kidnapped and immediately saying, Charmy B drives everyone crazy. If he disappears, 
Nobody is going to miss him. All I have to do is walk away as if I haven't seen anything. And <laughs> it's not typical hero talk, is it? Like even just considering like I could I could just I could just leave it. Yeah. I could go back to bed. Even by usual Sonic standards. That's though, it. Even by a Nigel Kitching Sonic script standard. That's the thing. This is a, a frustrating panel to see have exactly what Owen's just described done with it, posted online. <laughs> It's frustrating, though, because it's treated as if it's representational, and it's not. This feels out of character for Sonic to think like this, you know? Yes, it's... It, yes, in this strip, I think Nigel has really dialed that up, and he's like, yeah, mm. no, no, this is... It, maybe he... <laughs> maybe he heard the same criticisms, and he was like, oh, no, you want to see... You want to see an asshole you Sonic? You see dickhead Sonic, do you? I can do that. <laughs> I can, he, that. It's not when you get Tails, it's when you get Charmy. He's got no time for this guy. But he does, he, you know, he eventually, it, you know, it's one of those gags where it, like, you know... But yeah. Oh, no, that's a bit later, isn't it? Well, no, there's two... Because it's the very next panel where he says, Ah, who am I kidding? I gotta help him. I'll probably yeah. hate myself in the morning! And he goes out. And uh, we see that it's two other bees. It's only on the second page we see it's these two other bees who are all done up in... Ver- we, we, now, this was we should stress, in case anybody doesn't remember, this is paying off a plot that was introduced earlier on in the uh, Chaotix Crew's own two-part story, The Fundamental Four. Mm-hmm. The idea that Charmy comes from a hive and that he, he's got some pool there because he went and got some mm-hmm. worker bees to come and help defeat the Fundamental Four. Um, but those guys work wonderfully cute little worker bees wearing little hard hats and everything, whereas these guys are all done up in armour and have swords and stuff. Oh! Something I never noticed, actually, is that, yeah, they've got a sort of charmy helmet, which the, the other guys didn't have the same thing. No, they had they little had... yellow hard hats. Yeah, which implies that charmy has got, like, a soldier's helm. On. Well, he's always—it's a pilot's hat. That's what Charmy's always worn. It's always a little pilot's helmet because yeah. he's got the flight goggles on it. When we had the issue where they have a shuttle that's in the shape of Charmy's head, mm. the question then was: Is that Charmy's head, or is that just like what a, a few bees look like? And now we see that yeah, a few bees do look like that, but I think it had the red coloring, which seems to be just. Charmy. It did have the red coloring. No additional explanation of the Charmy pod. Uh, yet. I no. don't know if maybe part two will deliver something, but it does seem now like, you know, now that we know, we find out in the course of this strip that Charmy's a prince. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, I guess that maybe is something he would have. I think he stole that pod and he went off with it TARDIS-like to explore the stars. Maybe that's how he, yeah, how he fled the hive, yeah. Uh, but these bees explain that they're taking Charmy back to the hive because the queen demands his presence. But Charmy says that he can bring a friend to speak on his behalf. And Sonic's like, I'm not your friend. Nope. Take care of it yourself. Page turn. I'm so glad you decided to come, Sonic. Shut up. Hey. That's the that's the moment you were thinking of. That I, I know it's there to set up the joke, but I'm not Charmy's friend is in fact incredibly harsh, and I felt it like a spike through my heart. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine saying that or being said that about? <laughs> I am not his friend. Yeah. It, this is an overly mean written <laughs> issue. Yeah, it is. It's not yeah. representational. It's very funny that I, I would have thought of trying to be as someone, they're a bit, you know, other characters will roll their eyes and be a bit like, okay, yeah, you know, Charmy can be a bit annoying. But that this is properly leaning into, no, mm. they actively hate yeah. Charmy B. <laughs> and should Charmy B ever leave or die, that's fine. They will not care. They will go on with their no lives. No one will mourn uh, this child. <laughs> I, think, I think it's worse. 
I think that they 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 among themselves acknowledge this. Yeah, we hate Charmy B and we'd love it if he died. But they're leaning on him for funding. That's why he's allowed to be in the group. He's got this connection to this royal money. And that that's it. If it wasn't for that, they would cut him loose. Tell us more about that royal money. I would love it if that was the text of the story, but it's not <laughs> yeah. it's not spelled out, but it genuinely makes you wonder. Like if he's the one who provided them with the large spaceship shaped like his own head. And he probably is. Yeah. <laughs> so they arrive at the hive. It's brilliantly drawn. I really like it. And they're on this it's like a sort of a skiff. It looks like a sort of ancient Egyptian boat or something, don't you think? Hmm. Why do I think that? Maybe just because it's gold, but something about the design of it. It's got the oars and the... It it, it is... Listen, the word skiff in our times (laughs) has only ever been used to describe things that no longer exist that look like this. (laughs) And that thing from from Star Wars. (laughs) So they skiff their way up (laughs) towards the hive. And uh, everything... Right. I really like Bob Corona's art these days. I Mm. just... I really like it. And he's got so many interesting ways of drawing things. And so you've got this hive and all of these, you know, hexagon stepping stones kind of extend out of the doorway for them to get on and go up. That's great. And then the first thing that they see is the worker bees again with their little little hats and lamps. And they are carrying these, you know, TCRI canisters of something uh, to, to be used in, in something. And Sonic goes, oh, what are they doing? And Charmy says, oh, they're, oh, they're just making gold. And Sonic goes, well, you can't make gold. People have tried for centuries. It's impossible. And he goes, not if you know how. I like that. As a bit, as a hand-wavy way to just be like, yeah, you know alchemy. You just have to know how to do it. Be solved it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Took we care sorted of it. that out. Oh, so do you not know how to make gold? <laughs> you should have told me sooner. I'd have told you how to make gold if if you'd asked. But uh, but you don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, now that, that comes back, uh, I hadn't really thought about it, but it's like, yeah, I mean, if the idea is that the bees have untamed wealth because they yeah. know how to fabricate gold from dust... Yeah. Maybe that is the whole deal. Maybe Charmy genuinely is using the wealth of his hive to fund the Chaotix. Yeah. Well, maybe he's got a little room where he's like, oh, I've got to do my alchemy. Oh, and, he, and he pretends he's no, doing... No, I don't think Charmy knows how to make <laughs> gold. I think the bees know how, but I don't reckon Charmy studied that, knows the ins and outs of the process. From the looks of it, it seems to be, they, they seem to be pouring some, like, well, some coal into some yeah. normal rocks. That seems to be... that. That's what you do. Now, I did have a chuckle at this line here. This feels a bit better as far as the representation and characterization goes where Charmy is brought before the Queen and we have this panel of the huge doors of the throne room being opened and through the crack we see Charmy and Sonic and Charmy just goes, Oh, dear! Oh, diddly deary me! And Sonic just goes, Charmy, for Pete's sake! <laughs> and that feels... That's better. Yes, that's exasperation not disgust because <laughs> Charmy feels like he would be very exasperating to be around but yeah. I don't I think to I've said be, this on the show before be, be around be around be. It, it, it did like a bird's, like a bird's bee. bee I don't think Charmy has ever been portrayed in Sonic the comic as being be. as annoying as the comic acts like he is he's just Flanders yeah, well, that's quite annoying. Without the <laughs> without the pious, holier-than-thou aspect of the character. Yeah, so he's better than Flanders. Mm. He just, he just, he's young and enthusiastic and says diddly a bit. <laughs> oh no, what a crime, like, you know, he's a child. <laughs> Although admittedly, he's a child who seems to hang out with like three 40-year-old men who work in law enforcement, <laughs> so 
<laughs> I don't know. I I knew someone like Charmy, and 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 I probably I think I was someone like Charmy. I was going to say, was it you? <laughs> <laughs> So I think when I met someone like that who was like a little bit younger than me, I think that was when I saw it. I think that was when I was confronted with like, oh, is this what it's like to listen to? I've been there. <laughs> I've been there with, you know, me. I mean, not with you, but I mean, I've, yeah, I've, I've seen myself and younger people and I'm like, Jesus, was I ever like this? <laughs> On my road years ago, there was an absolute charmy bee of a boy. <laughs> That's, I like, I wanted to adopt in that into lexicon. An absolute charmy bee of a guy. <laughs> And uh, he actually, he was kidnapped. What? And I saw him being kidnapped through the window. It happened and I uh, saw him being kidnapped. And I I said to myself, I remember saying to myself, nobody likes them. If I don't say anything, nobody will miss them. And here here we are much later. I haven't told anyone this story because, you know, no one was interested in finding him. But sure enough, (laughs) not missed. (laughs) Dead now. In lighter news, the expression on Charmy B's face on the page where he's saying, but mom, I don't want to live in the hive. Yeah, yeah that's fun. great. I, I love, love that. Th- that expression almost immediately makes you forgive all the noise. It's just like, ah, look. He's a child. <laughs> he is, he's just as a wee He's a wee little boy baby there. boy. That's mm. all he and is. He's, in, he's having fun on the adventures and like, come back. That's what it... it it's important to know whether or not he's a little boy, though, isn't it? Because we're just assuming he is. What He might be 40, and he might be a diddly-deary-meeing all over the place. Do you know what I mean? Charmy it, B's not 40. He might <laughs> be. He might be. Stop it. That could be the reveal at the end of this story. The, the queen saying that, you know... He's, he's not, not a, a child, child. He's, he's 34. 34. <laughs> I mean, look, he's out there, you know, doing stuff. She shouldn't mind. Yeah, what's she doing? Sitting on her throne, <laughs> doing nothing. She's. I mean, this is a proper one of those fat and indolent royalty type stereotypes. She is swollen with royal jelly, as it were, perched on her throne, grumpy head on her, big bejeweled <laughs> crown. Yeah, and that um, the jewel on it, I can't help but see it as like a classic Chaos Emerald. I knew you, you know were what I mean. Say it's, that. As, the Sonic's World Chaos Emeralds, when they were all green and flat. That's what she's got on her, on her head. Which is, it's like a, it's a crown, but extrapolated upwards from Charmy's hat. So it's not on her head. It's a, like a half mask type thing. It's quite, it's a good design, I think. This. Oh, and she's got Rita Repulsa horns coming up. She does for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there because I guess they're like her antenna, but not. You know. Oh yeah, it'll be that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, because Charmy's got those. Yeah, Everybody's got, yeah, all the bees have antenna, yeah. but, uh, yeah. I love this bit Sonic, like, so, it's it's when Charmy says, but, Mom, that's the first reveal of the Queen's his mom, and Sonic properly mm. grabs him and presses his nose to his nose, and is like, the Queen's your mother? Everyone's got a mother, Sonic. But he uh, he's kept this secret, it turns out. He never wanted the Chaotix to know he's a prince. So, well, I guess that puts the lie in the idea that he's funding them then, unless he's doing it secretly. Now, the worrying thing about the end of this page is where he's saying, like, please don't tell the others. I don't want them to treat me any differently. And so I say, but they treat you awfully. And it's like, oh, no, they're only pretending to do that. That's where it's like, well, this is a new form of abuse now that we're being introduced. <laughs> like, this this is terrifying. This is really, like... Charmy B does not realise that they are treating him <laughs> badly. It's like, oh, no, they're my friends. It's like, oh, dear. Oh, dear. 
<laughs> I have to. I don't feel like any of the other three Chaotix would sit there and go, maybe we should just let them kidnap him. That doesn't feel like something they would do. I hope one of them is nice to Charmy sometimes. Oh, yeah, I actually really do hope that. Where <laughs> Charmy, like, you know, Charmy saves... Well, he said he did save the day. He saved the day in that um, Fundamental Four story. And they were like, yeah. okay, you did it, but you did it too stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were furious about the, the day wrong. how stupidly he'd saved the day. But that's I love that mm. because that's the only way Charmy could save the day in a very silly way. So what the Queen says to kick this off is she goes, Oh, so Charmy B finally returns to the Hive. Pity you're here against your will. And he replies, oh, Mom, Mom, I don't want to live in the Hive. I'm having fun being a superhero. That adds an element to the whole setup, doesn't it? Where they're all... It, it feels now as if they're, like, playing at superheroes. Chaotics included. The, the, the stuff with Planet Meridian, where all those heroes are showing up. That th- this line to me reframes it a little bit as it's like just one big LARP planet where everyone goes to be a superhero. No, not for me, because Charmy is a little baby boy. He would see it as playing where the others wouldn't. Yeah, okay. It's something, and also you know he's clearly a, an indolent royal, so he d- means nothing to him anyway. Um, you know, yeah, he's just treading among the yokels. He's just coming down to muck around with the plebes, and he could knock it on the head any time he felt like he just doesn't want to. Yeah, you know, yeah. It wouldn't mean nothing to him. He could leave it all behind, and he wouldn't care. Yeah, maybe it's a prince and the pauper, and there's like another charmy living it up as a prince. Somewhere. Oh, that would be the end of this story. Yeah, like he swaps places with a little. Uh, yeah, with one of them little because they're all bloody identical anyway. Just swap exactly, hats, yeah. and how would you know? <laughs> No, the Queen wouldn't know. There's going to be flipping millions of bees she's the Queen of. And probably the mother of. That's true. She's got to be the mum of all these bees. Is that how Queen Bees work? Are they the mum of all the bees? I don't know. No, I don't know either. (laughs) How could you worry, your mother? You've been gone for months and not one call. Will you back now, my boy, and he'll stay? And she says, as a member of the royal family, you have responsibilities. What in God's earth do you want Charmy doing for your <laughs> royal family? Like, you know, he's the Prince Andrew of the f***ing hive. <laughs> you do not let him out in front of the public. I thought we're not doing royal jokes. <laughs> well, I changed my mind. Actually, you know, he suppose that's probably unfair. He's probably more like the Prince Edward, the one that you just... Which one's that again? I don't know that one. Exactly. <laughs> you, you don't know because he's the one that they just keep in the back. I mean, if they're making gold... You know, they're definitely doing all right without him. Yeah, <laughs> I bet if you let him anywhere near that, he it would it would start making scratch and sniff stickers, which start <laughs> coming out the other end of the thing. Just something- within a week, Charmy B will have accidentally torn up the recipe yeah. for, for gold. gold. Yeah. <laughs> It was like, maybe with a little adjustment, this could be platinum, and it all yeah. turns into yes. Play-Doh instead. Yes! <laughs> I love Charmy for all of these reasons. I want that to be what happens in this story, but it's not going to be, because then it turns kind of racist. Yes, it suddenly does, doesn't it? Um, yeah, so the, the very last thing that happens on the final page is a little trooper comes in and says, the hive's under attack, the wasps have returned. And we see this guy, Vesper, and his warriors, and they're all done up like the Mongol hordes. Yes. Well, you wouldn't know they were baddies unless, oh, you know, no, you put them no. in baddie costumes <laughs> with baddie facial hair. I would know they were baddies because they are wasps. Bees are all right. Wasps bastards <laughs> yes 
And that's what we're going to explore next issue. Next issue, The Swarm. In the original script from Nigel, it is called Wasps Are Bastards, but they've changed it to The Swarm. <laughs> <laughs> next issue, Wasps Are Bastards. Yeah, it's a weird one, this. It uh, it feels... I think I just like it. It's fine, I guess. I just, I'm not, I, I don't love the way Sonic's written in it. Sonic feels like a passenger in a Charmy D story. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yes, actually, the thing that charms me the most about it, charms me be um, the most about it, is all the drawings of the hive and the bees and stuff. It's nice to look at, and beyond that, I'm not really paying attention to what else there is in this. There I mean. you go, thank you. Fight's <laughs> <laughs> been waiting for me. In one ear He's and I'm been I'm waiting the other. for three years for me to say, I'm not really paying attention to this comic. <laughs> if I know you're not paying attention most of the time. What, sorry? What, what was that? Sorry? <laughs> Refuse Refuse Pocahontas and Pinocchio, both for the Mega Oh, both for the Mega Drive. I didn't even really register that they were because we've been doing Saturn yeah. reviews for a while now and PC yeah. reviews as well. Yeah. No, the Mega Drive games are still coming out, but I suppose I suppose it's worthy of note that they are kiddie games. Is what's mm. still coming out for the Mega Drive. So I guess they're going well. The older kids are do- they're pestering. They're wanting the new latest thing. And their Mega Drives have been handed down to their younger siblings now. Uh. So let's get a Pinocchio game out. Let's get a Pokemon. Um, points to, who's written this one? Chris Jones. For the first sentence of the Pocahontas review, Disney's big film of last year, Pocahontas, focused on the life of a young Native American girl. Native American. Well done, STC. Mm-hmm. Applaud. They've turned the corner there. That's probably the first time they could have put their foot in it and didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I looked this up, it's a Lost Vikings You are Pocahontas and her little raccoon fella that she has And you switch between them And it's exactly what we were talking oh, about like, before uh, like you switch between Picard and Kirk Exactly like you do with <laughs> Picard and Kirk Yeah, so you put your little raccoon up there You literally, you know, push a log down And then Pocahontas pushes it into position And now she can jump up the cliff uh, Stuff like that And that's why it says The puzzle elements in the game make it a very interesting concept And having a non-violent natural world content Makes it similar to a game like like Echo the Dolphin. I'm not sure about that. Echo the Dolphin was pretty violent, wasn't it? I was even less sure about this following sentence. In keeping close to the film's plot, one of the aims of the game is to help any animals you come across during your adventure. If you find a distressed deer with a bramble bush entangled in its horns, then by helping it, you will absorb its spirit. (laughs) Just like in the film. That's that's a little menacing, right? I I don't think that's what you meant. That's what happens in the film. Pocahontas... She absorbs the soul of any souls animal she goes by, of... and then she uses their powers for her own gain. The bit of this review that jumped out at me is, the game sticks closely to the action scene in the film as you battle through frontier lands to try and prevent the onset of war and save Pocahontas' love interest, yes. John Smith. Yeah. And it was like, okay, hang on. With quotes. John Smith is Pocahontas' love interest in, in the, the film. film. In the film, and there certainly is, I mean, if this is like a really subtle yeah. criticism of Pocahontas, I like that. Yeah. But I want I want to be sure, like, yeah. is that what you're getting? Because I think it seems like Chris Jones was watching Pocahontas with adult eyes mm. yeah. <laughs> and threw in the tiniest little bit of, hmm, don't know about that. <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. I can't think of any other explanation for those quote marks. It must be that. You know the first year of Disney Plus when there was not a lot on there aside from the Disney films? And uh, I thought, well, you know, I have access to this. I might as well go through them. 
and uh, when I watched Pocahontas and upsettingly Pocahontas 2. Oh, there was your mistake. <laughs> I have got a Disney podcast and I've not watched Pocahontas 2. Like you, you haven't. You got to do it. You got to do it. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. It's, it, it's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I watched Pocahontas, it's such a sore one because it is so beautiful mm. to look mm. at. But watching it with adult eyes, it's just, you, you just can't get away from the fact that like, this is just yeah. <laughs> and absolutely not working. Like, you meant well, but, like, and the thought I kept having was, if you could bring the real Pocahontas into the future and say, look at this Mega Drive game. <laughs> <laughs> That's you. That's what everyone thinks of you now. And uh, it's just the whole enterprise just felt very... <laughs> <laughs> this game is very pretty, but it's not like the good Disney Mega Drive games where it's, it, def- it definitively has the older pixel art look rather than the check it out we drew this on paper kind yeah, of look. but with more of a focus on animation frames inspired by like prince of persia and stuff like that yeah. so when she grabs a high ledge and hauls herself up you get to know about it because <laughs> they've no pictures of it it's just a no probably the box art yeah it's just a drawing of pocahontas on the on the boat that did seem like an odd decision to like both but it looks amazing but we are not providing evidence of that wait a minute Look at this picture of Pocahontas that they've used. So she's on a boat, she's got her arm out, she's got birds on her arm, and the raccoon is reaching into the water, in which is loads of dead birds. That image is clearly taken from, like, a cereal box puzzle. <laughs> yes, it could be. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, because like, what it is is in the water is a load of upside-down silhouettes of birds. My guess is match up the silhouettes to the yeah, birds above. to the birds! That can only be it, because the only alternative, printed out of context here, is that those birds have drowned. No, 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 she's uh, absorbed their spirits. <laughs> <laughs> that, by the way, that it, the, the game looks quite good in, if you're into this sort of thing. So you are lost Vikings around, and then yes, once you've saved a deer, now you can run, because deer are fast, mm. I guess. And, and you pause it and you get this dial of different animals that show you what power-ups you've got. And like... I hope that means that you can fly and stuff by the end. <laughs> Deviates even further. Imagine showing that to the real, showing that to the real life Pocahontas. Yeah. Check it out. Brave star. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mind you, weird as it is to just have that piece of box art or whatever that is, mm. I, I would still take it over what we've been served up on the Pinocchio review, uh-huh. which could not be more zoomed in and blurry as screenshots go. Yeah. They're dreadful, aren't they? It just it looks awful. Especially the main picture they've used of Pinocchio and Geppetto on the on the rock having bailed their way out of the Monstro the Whale chase sequence. Yeah, I mean, from the frozen moment captured here, it does look like Geppetto is about to beat Pinocchio's ass with that oar. <laughs> with a big paddle. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, you know what they're doing? They're jumping over an obstacle during that scene. That's why they're up in the air with their feet clacking together like that. They're having a big jump. Oh, okay. It really looks like Geppetto's standing on it. It does, but look, at look, his feet are turned in. He's on, he's on his tiptoes. Guess so. So what they've done with the Pinocchio game is they've tried to do what they did with the Aladdin game, which is to make it all look super animated, but they didn't have the resources that they had for that. They didn't have animators and people like that. So what they've done is they've just scanned scenes from the film, and they've 
cut out the Pinocchios and they've shrunk them down and they haven't even drawn over them again. So they've got like scanner artifacts on, oh, on, the, no. on, on the sprites and stuff. It doesn't look good. And it's a standard platform and the backgrounds look very nice though. And, and you are walking around in you know, areas that you'd recognize from the film with stuff going on. I mean, it's a very harsh review. It, 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 it mm. says, uh, a lack of things to do, not enough action to distract you. Games like yeah. this do nothing for the Mega Drive after the recent success of Toy Story and Worms. Random yeah. pair of games to mention, but uh, Pinocchio <laughs> is for Disney addicts only, and that gets it the 70% total shit score from oh. STC there. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't look good. There has never been a video game review lower than 70. As we all know, it goes from 7 to 10. I gather it was quite negatively reviewed back in the day. Yeah. I wanted to mention the music, by the way. It says here in the review, music is weedy and annoying. And it is. And it gets high diddly D wrong. Oh, no. It just sort of starts iterating on the tune in a way that isn't quite right. And I can't begin to understand why, because I looked in the credits, and it's done by Alistair Brimble. He's one of the best old days game music guys. Like, Alistair Brimble, to be fair, does sound like a person you made up as a name. <laughs> he does, yeah, he sounds like he lives in the hedge with the mice. He lives in Trumpton or something, yeah. What happened, Brimble? Superfrog, Spellbound Dizzy, there, Slightly there Magic, Fantasy World Dizzy, Brackets on the Amiga, Project X, Body Blows, Alien Breed, Superfrog, for God's sake! It's... This guy yeah, is you really can say good at as many words super as you like. I don't frog. know what super frog is. Super frog. I well, can you'll guess hear it what now. It is. You'll hear it now. <laughs> it's a very good game, even though everything I could tell you about it makes it sound bad. <laughs> like the fact that one of the main power-ups in it is Lucasaid. Aha. Well, that's just an Amiga game. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> So odd that he kind of whiffed it on the, like it's really weird. I don't know how it happened. Brimble, really brimbled that one. I'm just looking for an excuse to say brimble. It's nice, isn't it? Brimble. Captain Plunder, Shanghai Part One, written by Nigel Kitchen and Richard Elson. Nelson. Letters by Elidafel. Captain Plunder visits the special zone and sends his crew out to Shanghai some new recruits. They only nab one, the famous alchemist Proctor Speckle. The very name I remembered a couple of episodes ago. That's the one. Proctor Speckle. Proctor Speckle and dump him in the hold overnight. The next morning, Plunder discovers that Speckle has eaten all his chocolate. <laughs> There's no. <laughs> you can't say that in a pirate, pirate voice, can you? Pirates no. just did not talk about chocolate enough. <laughs> yeah, there's no precedent for it. That never has a pirate said chocolate. That's just a truth. Oh, he likes a bit of chocolate. Let's go to the chocolate island. 
And so that's how pirates think of the, their destinations. Like, oh, that's the gold island, yeah. and that's the treasure island. Finish the synopsis, you scurvy sorry, knave. Sorry. <laughs> or, or what? You make me want the plan. all you. <laughs> Imagine how many islands they went to before hearing about treasure island. <laughs> <laughs> There's a treasure island? We're, we're wasting our time here. Come on. What the hell have we been doing? Is it any wonder <laughs> so many of them showed up to find an empty chest? It's like, oh, well, you know, once we're got yeah. out about Treasure Island there was yeah. bound to be a rush thinking about it somebody named this island and that suggests they've already been on it yeah <laughs> tell you what let's leave what treasure we have so the next guys have something to look forward to <laughs> pay it forward <laughs> come on everyone put your chocolate bars in a pile come on <laughs> right right the next morning Plunder discovers that Speckle has eaten all his chocolate and so has him walk the plank but soon regrets his decision when Speckle is revealed to be the alter ego of the super strong man monster, Mr. Fry. Yarr. I I petition to be given permission to go and get my drink of water. Hang on. No, you really overtax yourself with that one. <laughs> I was thinking the whole time, you'll regret this. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, this is great. Yeah. I was surprised to see Richard Elson on the artwork because Captain Plunder is such a silly thing that you wouldn't yeah. think Richard Elson, good, serious, super dynamic, epic artist Richard Elson would be spending his time doing it. It causes you to forget that this is a story in which Captain Plunder gets angry that someone's eaten all his sweets. <laughs> and Elson half wrote this as well. Yeah. Like, they collaborated on this. This is what he wants to be doing. Whenever you see anyone on the art who's also credited with the writing, you know this is what they want to be drawing. Remember Elson came up with the idea for Mr. Blobnik? That's right. Didn't yeah. he? Yeah. I mean, I wonder if the basic idea is he came up with the conceit of the story where Mr. Fry meets Captain Plunder yeah. meets the Wolfman and then Kitchen scripted it from there, you know? Do you know what I didn't notice until now? Mm. Not even earlier when I read this comic. Mm. Now. Even though it's front and centre and I should have seen it. He's turned a star post into his wheel, into his ship's steering wheel. You're really not paying attention. That's there, a no, star yeah. post. I am not paying attention. But that's a part of the uh, script. <laughs> yeah, well, he said no. He says that they've attached a star post. It's Filch's idea. This is, I got to hand it to you, Filch. Attaching this here star post to my new ship was a stroke of genius. Yeah. So obviously I saw he had a star post. It's the first line of dialogue, Dave. I saw he had a star post. What I didn't see is the little bits coming out around the edge of it that he's turned it into the ship's mm-hmm. wheel. That's what I didn't right. see. That's really good. And I was wondering, okay. so this, this star post, <laughs> is this it turning out there's a second star post? Because I think we've been quite explicit that there was one star post left in the world before this, right? Well, the Freedom Fighters have one and Robotnik has yeah. one. I thought they said it's the last one. Well, I mean, it's... I, uh, I, I got the impression Robotnik either, like, rounded him up or... Mm. Well, I don't know if Robotnik destroyed him, but mm. he would have recovered them. But let's be honest, like, if anybody's going to be able to black market find you a bit of star post, Captain Plunder's going to be able to get a hold of one, you know? That's the surprise at the start, is that Captain Plunder has not only got a strip, not only is it a Richard Elson strip, he's hanging out in, like, New Tech City, mm. Planet Meridian world now. He's going to be in that world. I, I wonder it. It does speak to the whole change in the landscape of the comic. We've got the Freedom Fighters with short fuse in the back, picking up the slack for the fact Sonic is trapped in the special zone in his story, yep. and now even the Captain Plunder strip is tied in with that as well. It's probably actually well, one of the biggest bits of synergy across 
all three, because the other one's Decap Attack, across all the three Sonic-themed strips in the comic that there's ever been, quite possibly. Probably, yeah. But I do wonder if there's anything more to it beyond Richard Elson, let's say, wanted to do a story where Captain Plunder and Mr. Fry fight. He wanted to have a story where the two biggest, hairiest dudes in the comic <laughs> meet, and, and they've just come here for that reason. Possibly. I think there is. I think... I think there's something more to it, and it's it's only, again, it's just occurred to me now, perhaps I should have been thinking about this more, but this is how we get home, isn't it? This is them bringing a star post into Sonic's peripheries. Oh, no, I, you know, I don't think so, honestly. I think they'll be really? buggered off long before Sonic gets wind that they were ever here. Fair enough. Well, it provides a possible out anyway. It Sonic's does. trapped here. He needs a way out of the special zone. Here's a star post. If they don't use it, that will be confusing to me. I, I don't think it ever crosses paths. I wouldn't be surprised if they upped and left at the end of this story, however many parts long it is. I doubt it'll be six. You know, it'll probably be three or four, like the older Captain Plunder strip was. But, uh, yeah, so Proctor Speckle. Yeah. It turns That's out the name. So, I mean, it's not revealed until the last page that this guy is Mr. Fry, but anybody who's paying attention will recognize this guy as yeah. what Mr. Fry looked like before he took a swig of his juice yeah. a couple of issues ago. It took me an embarrassingly long amount of time. You know, within the span of the five pages, yes, I figured it out mm-hmm. before the end, but it took me an embarrassingly long amount of time to get that Proctor Speckle just rhymes with Dr. Jekyll. That, right, I'm not taking any shit off you now about not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't... I, I think I was just overwhelmed with the sheer shitness of the name. Uh, that <laughs> it took me a great, moment to be like, oh, so it's Proctor Speckle and Mr. Fry. Yeah. So it's just Mr. Fry. He's just called Mr. Fry because it's sort of... It's a slant rhyme with Mr. Hyde. Proctor Speckle and Mr. Fry. Okay. That's the thing. If you're going to rip something off, do it poorly so that you're just blindsided by the like, oh, that has to be an original idea because no one else would do this. <laughs> it, it does highlight how, well, why doesn't Mr. Fry sound more like Mr. Hyde then? Yeah, Mr. Fried even, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just silly. Has Filch been surrounded by ghost flies before? And I've just never known. Yes, he has. He has. I love that. Ghost flies. Well, I don't know if the flies themselves are necessarily ghosts, but they probably are. Yes, they are. Look at them. Well, look at them. How can you tell? Because they're the same as him. They're blue and they've got glow around them. It's the glow around them is the only indication that there might be anything spectral about him. He is dead. Yeah. You know, flies fly around dead things. Yeah, but they're coloured the same, though. They've got they the, are. They've got it. the ghost colours. I think they're dead flies. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, the pirate crew are sent out to Shanghai, as in the title. That is to say, forcibly bag some guys and drag them back to the ship mm-hmm. to expand the crew. And um, But they only get Proctor Speckle. Bring him back, fling him in the hold. Then we got to the next morning where Captain Plunder's just finished his breakfast. Um, I love how even his little robot parrot that sits on his shoulder has keeled over. It's so full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lying on his back. We get a full page here dedicated to Captain Plunder getting fed. That's it. That, you... There is a real disconnect, not necessarily a bad thing, not in, the, not in the bad way, but there is a real disconnect in my brain with Richard Elson artwork, <laughs> and this is a load of stupid shit that happens. <laughs> if Nigel Kitching drew this, this would not even phase me in the slightest. But obviously, it was Elson's story idea. Yeah, because when you have Elson on, there's this sense of like, oh, they got the big guns out for this. Yes, exactly. But but I think Richard Elson is a man who doesn't want to be the big guns. I think he just wants to draw silly comics. Maybe. And this is, 
you know, he's he, you know, and he's very good at big guns comics. And of course, he spent the last you know couple of decades drawing big comics with big guys, and you know, he's he's done superhero comics in two thousand AD and things like that, doing big things. But when left to his own devices, what he likes to draw is silly things. And uh, I guess this is this is that. We've got gags in the background with Simpson eating a fish whole and looking down and seeing the shape of a fish stuck in his neck and reaching yeah. into his throat and pulling out the complete fish skeleton or tipping his hat by lifting the top of his head. Morning, pirate dudes! Drop dead, Simpson! <laughs> <laughs> the charmy bee of the pirate world. Yeah, but in a sort of a much more understandable sort of way. Like, again, Simpson would be very exhausting to have to be around. <laughs> but he's actually funny. Compared to Charmy. No money, though. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we're we're looking at it the wrong way. Maybe we're assuming what the Chaotix crew find annoying about Charmy is his righty-diddly-do stuff. Maybe it's just that he's, you know, upper class. And they're just just like, oh, we're going to hang out with this guy. The bourgeois. Tory B. (laughs) I mean, he he is definitely a royalist by default. Yeah, imagine how annoying that must be. When you're just trying to sit down at the end of an adventure, and there he is going on about the Queen. Trying to enjoy Christmas, and he's like, oh, we have to put the speech on. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to. We can play with the toys we've got, enjoy one another's company. We can keep an eye on the dinner. They wouldn't enjoy Charmy's company either, though. Is the thing. <laughs> it's like, all right, you watch it. <laughs> wouldn't invite him around on Christmas, let's be honest. Did you notice the uh, the name of the cookbook Simpson's got there? Yeah. That'd be not a bad breakfast, considering you cooked it, Simpson. And we see he's holding a book called uh, How to Cook by Fanny Crackpot. (laughs) So Captain Plunder sends Simpson to get chocolate from the hold. And Simpson opens the hold and does the full-on eyeballs bugging out of the head. He scoffed a lot! And we see that Mr. Fry has eaten all the chocolate. Ill pirates will be hearing from my solicitor. No one eats Captain Plunder's sweeties and lives to tell the tale. (laughs) (laughs) What? Right. What's the timing of Simpson? When did he first come in? Because it's only now occurring to me that it might have been a response to having seen the mask. <laughs> uh, Simpson was a couple of years ago now. He was in the yeah. first Captain Blunder story, which was uh, ran side by side with the start of the Sonic and Knuckles adaptation, which is before the second birthday, which means it was early 94. Yeah, so and the mask came out in 94, so it could be that the mask... The film was a response to reading STC. Yes, seeing Simpson probably more likely. Not that Simpson is simply just Felix the Cat, and then optioning <laughs> anything they could think of that would give him the excuse to do that stuff. Yeah, Jim Carrey read Sonic the Comic and knew I can do what I want. Yeah, <laughs> people will pay for anything. <laughs> so uh, they send him into the drink, and there are sharks down there and everything. His serum comes out his pocket and goes into the water, and it, it looks like he sips it out of the water and then he bursts up out of the water as Mr. Big Fool Splash Page of Mr. Fry erupting out of the water with a with a shark <laughs> in his mouth, which is great. It is great a dead shark clutched between his superior jaws. Oh no, I'm sure that shark's just resting. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The artwork throughout <laughs> this comic, I, I really love the artwork and that shark in the mouth just feels, there's something like you really feel like there's that rubbery squishiness to mm. that, like the the bind down. Yeah. I I gotta tell you, I hated this really? this Captain Plunder thing. Really, really. <laughs> but the artwork was so good. 
that I still read and reread it because I just look at it. It just looks fantastic. But you have to understand that when I got this, yeah. I had no context for any of this. Oh, you jumped on. This was your first Captain Plunder. Well, I just see, like, the only establishment I get is, it says, the special zone. And I thought, like, even then, I knew, you cheeky pops, you <laughs> you know that you can say anything is in the special zone. And who's going to stop you? And it's not that I strictly needed everything to be Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. doing stuff. But it's like, when I picked up Sonic the comic, I did want, like, either Sonic stories or... Mega Drive game, like Sega games, uh-huh. you know, where, yeah. and I get this thing. It's like, okay, there's a pirate, is a gorilla, and uh, Felix the cat's there, and there's a ghost, there's a fella in a suit. You should know who that is. And I, I just thought, what, what am I looking at? <laughs> I, I, no, but I think that's a, a very fair and genuine response to have. It speaks to Dave and my attitudes to Archie stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have to admit, don't we? Because when we crack open a Sonic story, we want to see Sonic things. Yeah. Now, the reason you had that reaction to this is because you didn't have the context for Captain Plunder, who was introduced in a Sonic story and spun off from there. Because that's where SDC succeeds at this sort of thing, where Archie didn't, really. Because it would introduce these concepts, not in the case of Captain Plunder, well, sort of, but many of the STC's iconic things, like, let's say, Short Fuse and the Trooper Badniks and Brutus and stuff like that, they all grow out of, at the base level, ideas born from the games. There's, there's other games. They have robots with animals in them. Mm. Well, what if, what if they tried to make one of those like a super one where like the animal couldn't be broken out of the robot, you know? And, and what if it went wrong and the animal took control of the robot? And then last issue we had, and what if then they made a bad one of those? You know, and well, we have robots with animals in them, but what if we made robots that didn't rely on having to have animals in them to power them? And then what if we had one of those and it was gold and angry? You know, <laughs> the the ideas, they evolve out of it. Um, and even Captain Plunder, the idea was like, well, the mystic cave zone. Well, what goes on there? You know, what, what yeah. kind of people do you find out hanging out in watery caves? Hey, pirates, let's go with that. Whatever, you know. But Archie was like, well, here's a princess and she's got a royal guard and they all live in a place that's not from the games. And we didn't introduce this from anything. We just made this up whole cloth and it's got nothing to do with nothing. And it's instead of the games as well. Instead (laughs) of the games. Whereas what SDC does builds upon the games. But no, I still think that's a very fair... It is, at its core, the same reaction as Dave and I have had and continue to have to that stuff. I probably would have warmed to it more if it was just like, we've just made this up. (laughs) You know? Like, we're we're just trying out this. But like, even just the line of the special zone... And just the implications say, okay, so these are these are Sonic characters. This is a Sonic's world thing, yeah. To yeah. turn a page and be like, there's a ghost, and it's like it's like a man as well. And just like anytime you see like a person, <laughs> like you know, just men in suits walking around would give me. Now Filch is a lizard. Yes, but why do we think that though? We have decided Filch is a lizard, but. Why? <laughs> because he's got a tail. Oh, no, he's got a fork tongue. That's what he's got. I don't know if he has a uh, tail now that he's there. He's got a fork tongue. And Felix the cat, you think, like, you know, the character of Simpson is like, that's the kind of character that I like. Yeah. But if you tell me, having, like, I've just played Sonic 2 that morning, and someone says, this is also in Sonic? <laughs> I said, no, it's not. <laughs> no, someone just wanted to draw that. 
Well, that's true. And they've done this. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. That's a hun- like there is no rationale behind Simpson. That was like, well, we've introduced Captain Plunder, and now we're spinning him off into his own thing, and we're just going to compound the silliness of his world. And uh, I would have given it no time, but the artwork is absolutely gorgeous, and I love that panel of taking the, the transforming serum underwater, and because you really do get the sense of that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, the way you can see the bubbles being sucked in. All the little crevices and wrinkles and perfectly shaded of his little puckered, rubbery lips. And just the sort of the movement, if that's the right word, of the camera. It feels different than a normal zoom in. It feels animated somehow. It's a fantastic panel. I reckon I know where this is going. Yeah. (laughs) With the serum leaking out into the water rather than Mm. Speckle drinking it directly. And, uh, well... You know, the the next issue page rather confirms that. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. I was hoping when I saw that panel and not having paid attention to the to the next issue thing at the end of the issue, I was like, ah, oh, it's a missed opportunity, isn't it? But here he is in the water with all these sharks and oh well, never mind. But uh, yeah, yeah, good. Looking forward to that. Yes, we'll describe <laughs> that when we come to the next issue page. <laughs> So no, I, I, but I think that's just a genuinely a, a very interesting two different opinions, ways of looking at the strip when you're dropped into it mm. cold and have no context for where these characters exist within Sonic's world and how in our hearts all three of us still want the same thing. We want to open a Sonic comic and be greeted with recognizable Sonic things, not a bunch of stuff someone made up. <laughs> Unlike Sonic himself, who is real, <laughs> he is my friend. We hang out. <laughs> Are you sure he's your friend? Because I, I don't know. <laughs> well, he saved me from being kidnapped that one time. So. <laughs> it's a picture of a buzz bomber. No, it's f- not. It's a buzzer. Oh, <laughs> oh! They've made this mistake oh. before. This is a Sonic Two Emerald Hill Zone buzzer, not a Sonic One Green Hill Zone buzzer. No, it is not. It's a scandal, is what it is. The only <laughs> thing that this page functions as is to tell you that this is called this, and that's <laughs> wrong. Flipping heck! They've done it before. The Badnik Spotter cards did it too. Yeah. Now that was bad because that was even more meant to be informational. But this is going to go up on well, it's not. Let's face it. But this ostensibly is going to go up on bedroom walls, and that's going to lock into children's minds forever that this is a buzz bomber. And when they hear it's not, they're not going to be able to process that information. They'll be like, "What? I've grown up in a world where this is called a buzz bomber. What are you talking about?" They're not going to know what you're going on about. But that's I'm livid. That is unacceptable. Well. Accepted. Well, I, I refuse. Also unacceptable is that all of the whites in the fire on this have been changed into transparencies when they shouldn't have been. Yeah, that does seem to have happened, doesn't it? Yeah. It also seems like they haven't cropped out the bit of white between the engines. Ideally, in the middle of Dave's tirade, furious spittle flying all yeah. over the place, I would have tilted my webcam to reveal... Oh. The Buzz Bomber poster <laughs> proudly displayed on my own wall. It's just like, what's the problem? It's a Buzz Bomber. Do you not like the pinup of the Buzz Bomber? I've just remembered something. Two seconds, I just gotta go and grab something. No problem. I've Googled Buzz Bombers. Looks like a Buzz Bomber to me. No, but it's slightly different though, isn't it? Because the Buzz Bombers are the blue ones with slightly. the downwardsy things. Okay. Whereas <laughs> buzzers have got they're like wasps yeah this is a buzzer oh, it's pretty much the same thing though. they're very similar like yeah <laughs> you can see how they made the mistake buzz bombers have got teeth oh yes 
I mean, Buzzer is cooler. Hmm. Well, that's the idea, yeah. Buzzer is nastier looking. In fact, could it even be that a buzz bomber is a bee and a buzzer is a wasp, a known bastard, and that's why Because cool. <laughs> bastards are cooler than nice people. Everybody knows that. It would be good to see in the game manual under the bio just known bastard. <laughs> <laughs> bastard is known to authority. All of the rest of them are quite robust descriptions. They're like, this badnik will walk left and right and then fire a little thing that you need to duck by using this. <laughs> and then this was a bastard. Just a madbird! Just a pain A spot of bother here because, listeners, whenever we get a new advert, we always cover it. We only ever skip repeats. The problem here is that what we've got is a new advert. But for something we've already covered, and even though it's a full page covered in stuff, it's not interesting and provides nothing new for us to really talk about. Ah, let's see how we do anyway. <laughs> well, Owen wasn't here last time, was he? You know? Yeah, sure. that's true. You it could be a treat for him. New to the Disney Channel. Check out the Disney Channel for two great new programs. Mighty Ducks, and as I was telling you, it really was called back in the day, <laughs> Brand Spanking New Doug. And the pages split down the middle. And there's a column about Mighty Ducks on the left and Brand Spanking New Doug on the right. I remember Brand Spanking New Doug. It was a very tumultuous time for me <laughs> because I had nothing but disdain for Doug. I'd seen Ooh. Doug just a th- every episode a thousand times. It was just on all the time. And uh, of course I watched it because you were either watching the cartoon or you were watching the news. So you watched Doug. <laughs> <laughs> so like I already felt strong armed into enjoying this show. You know, yeah. Hey Arnold was always the better show. So like when Brand Spanking New Doug came along, it was a very strange thing because I hated that they'd changed it, but I also didn't like the show. So it was like, look, you you shouldn't worry about this because you know, you don't care about Doug. Yeah. So don't be defensive about Doug. Don't don't be upset that Paddy's got different hair. Yeah. I didn't like you didn't... Patty's new hair. It was a bad look. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't matter that like Roger was rich now, right? This you is know? like you learning about a historic flute for the first time and getting somehow angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but like I didn't have a channel that showed it anyway. So uh, like I remember like just getting glimpses of it and rejecting it outright. It's like, no, nah, look, if Roger Klotz is not living in a trailer, then I don't want to know about it. You have shone light on at least one aspect of this page to me there. Oh, you wanted explanations, yes. Because this, this consists of a brand spanking new Doug fact file where it lists Doug's attributes. Name Doug funny, age nearly 12, occupation schoolboy, hometown Bluffington, favourite drink chocolate shake, sister Judy, dog pork chop, girlfriend Patty Mayonnaise. Was she his girlfriend? In I think Patty Mayonnaise wouldn't agree. I think Doug's written that. Fact yeah, I don't think I don't think I don't remember them getting together. No, best friend Skeeter Valentine, worst friend Roger Klotz because he was the bully, richest person I know. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Connie Benjay Bengay Benj Connie Benj. Ben, That's or, how I want it to be. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you know, I don't remember. It turns out it is Benj, richest person. Right. That's you know? what I'm on about. Why would a fact file have richest person you know in it? 
And why is there nothing on the page to justify that as like the setup for a little gag or anything? It's set up for the show because one of the things that happens between uh-huh. Doug and Brand Spank and New Doug uh-huh. is that uh, Roger's dirt poor family wins the lottery. Does BB lose their money? Um, that one I don't remember. Also, wait, yeah, it's, hang on, Connie. Connie was the. It's BB's the rich one, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, that's wrong. Double wrong then. <laughs> I don't remember any of these people. That's BB up there on the phone. I mean, look, I'm not going to make any big claims about brand spanking you, Doug, because, as I say, mm. I rejected it outright. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> questions about original Doug, I could probably shamefully answer just because it was, <laughs> it, it was bet into me. You know, mm. like the Bible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, down there in the south, that's what they, it's the Bible and it's Doug. You know, it's the, it's the two of the three pillars. You look like you're looking it up, dude. Well, I was, I was, what I was doing is I was looking up Connie Benge to see if I recognise her at all, and I don't. I evidently I didn't watch much Doug. I thought I watched Doug. She wasn't rich. BB was the rich one. The ad has got it. It's wrong. just wrong. Well, no, now all has it because look, as you can see. They've crossed it out. They've written Connie Bench and then crossed it out. I th- I took that to be that, you know, it's an update of who his most rich friend is. Well, it is. It is an update because Roger has Roger's dirt poor family wins the lottery and becomes sickeningly wealthy. And- no, I think cl- it's very clear to me now that what's happened is the person making this advert got it wrong, crossed it out, and then got it right. Yes. And that's what's, that's yes, what's that's happened exactly here. And it went to print it. like that. Mm-hmm. Went to print, yeah. <laughs> the other surprise I've got here is that uh, Doug is uh, nearly 12 in it. From everything I've been... You, you have introduced me to the concept that there was this brand spanking new Doug. And I assumed that that meant it would have jumped a few years and they'd all be a bit older or whatever. But he's still 11. No, Doug was... Uh, uh, it began with him going into middle school. So it didn't, wasn't a time jump, really. Yeah. It, the time jump was the summer. It was him starting the new school year. Oh, fair enough. That is what happens at that age. So Connie, for instance, went away to a fit camp and lost the weight. Mm. That was the conceit there. Uh, any memories of the series that's on the other half of the page here, Mighty Ducks? <laughs> None. I mean, I remember there was a Mighty Ducks cartoon, but I couldn't tell you what happened in there. Mm-hmm. Last time we had the previous ad about the Disney Channel, I said I could remember some of the voice actors. Tim Curry was in it, Tony Jay was in it, Clancy Brown was in it, but that, you know, I couldn't have told you anything about it. Until we were just having some work done on the floors this past week which required emptying out an entire room and removing old, dusty drawers that have not been touched in a very long time. Knickers. And, uh... Oh, my goodness. We found an action figure of <laughs> Nosedive from the Mighty Ducks. Look at that in one beautiful of man. drawers. Look at him there. Look at him. Absolutely gorgeous. And I presume this gun fired a puck-shaped projectile at some point. So they had guns in this duck-themed hockey cartoon? I doubt they had them in the show. Oh no, Willie's holding a gun in the picture. No dog toys? I don't know if they ever made Where any dog, dog toys. toys. Yeah. Can't imagine it. Don't know. So that's Nosedive, the troublesome comedian. <laughs> he's described oh, in this ad. You know, whenever you're breaking down the functions of everybody in the team here, Wildwing, the leader, Tanya, the scientist, Grin, the destroyer, (laughs) Nosedive, the troublesome comedian, Mallory, the karate expert. Gotta have one of them on a hockey team. Well, they aren't actually a hockey team is the thing. That's just their cover on Earth. That's their cover. Look at them. For... for 
They're all playing hockey. No, I mean they they play hockey professionally. Yes, right. But it's not their. But you can be it's their day job. Sportsmen can have a more robust life. It's yeah. in the same way that Superman is technically yes a reporter. <laughs> a better cover would have been nothing at all. Just like don't invite audiences to look at you. <laughs> yeah, just be ducks. Yes, I I don't have any memory or knowledge if there was any secret identity component to the series, right? Because that wouldn't have lasted very long. So they weren't necessarily in disguise. If they have to choose between a final or saving the world, like did that ever? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The attack. I mean, I would say that probably factored into the I show. I reckon at some it point. probably yeah. did. They had to save the world in time to play the big, you know, finals of... Bet you anything. I don't know, the World Cup of Hockey, whatever. I bet you anything that that's exactly what happened. Or even that during some hockey, bad guys attacked. I reckon that happened. Oh, well, that probably happened in the episode. Yep. But I don't... But, like, it it wasn't their raison d'etre. It was just a popular pastime on the planet. (laughs) And when I say popular pastime, I think it was, like way of life thing around which their society was based. So they're not in disguise as hockey players. They just like playing hockey and so they, they happen to do that. They do yeah. like to play hockey. You'd hope. No, I think their world gets destroyed and they come to Earth. Shouldn't have played as much hockey. They should have thought about saving the world. I think Lord Dragonus mentioned here. I think he might destroy their home world. So there you go. And so they, they were like, oh, we could save the world, but there's hockey to play and they just made the wrong decision that time. But they're now protecting Earth from Dragonus. Yeah, because they don't want the same thing to happen. And they're also playing hockey while they're here, but they're real. Mm, risky. I think, I think the idea was that their real conceit was that they were here to save the planet. And most of what they do is they go round to hockey games and go like, this is irresponsible! <laughs> Mighty Ducks, the animated series, is based on the real-life NHL Mighty Ducks team in Anaheim, California. Oh, is it? They don't look much like them. Well, the name certainly is. They don't look much like them, no. Which one of them's the karate expert? I I didn't say the name of the one last character here, whose name is Duke L'Orange, which is a a good name. (laughs) D-U-C-Q-U-E-S. Duke, in the same way that Jacques is a name. Yeah. Guess what? That's not true. It's just Duke. D-U-K-E. But it says Duke <laughs> here. It's it's written Frenchly here. So I guess they, like best we can think, they must have changed that last minute, just like after the advertising materials had gone out. Duke L'Orange, the breaking in expert. <laughs> which is a tortured description of an ability. <laughs> the breaking, breaking in, in ex- expert. <laughs> Well, what else would you call it? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I guess... you got several no, choices. What would you call it? <laughs> there's no tighter way of writing it, but it just feels like it's a strange sentence. The robber. <laughs> Mighty Ducks and brand spanking new Doug. Oh, God. And that that's was what t- Disney had to give you in 1996. That's three Disney Channel adverts, two of which make you go, well, I don't want it then. And then one in the middle, sandwiched in there, that was all like Timon and Pumba, Aladdin, like, yes, please. They don't. They, they don't know what I wanted. They're talking. They're talking to people other than me, Chris. And I won't stand for it. Pretty sure I watched more Brand Spanking New Doug than I did of Timon and Pumbaa. You would. Actually, I think I watched more Doug than I did of Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. So, if you were to rate those appeals to get you to watch the Disney Channel, uh, weighed against today's, please watch Disney Plus, where mm. every advert is. It's not what you think. I know what you're thinking. You think it's just a load of. <laughs> Childish rubbish, but we've got a show about Pamela Anderson's sex tape. We've, we've got we've got a show like that. We've got another show. A fella gets stabbed. 
<laughs> promise like it's so desperate just every ad for disney plus is there's stuff on there for people <laughs> for over the age of 15 we've got we've got the original judge red movie you know you got to be you have to be grown up to see that <laughs> the legend of mr cuddlebunny part 1 written by nigel kitching and richard rayner art by nigel kitching and letters by ellie deville Many years ago, Professor Stein's favourite author, Mr. Cuddlebunny, paid a visit to his castle and disappeared, leaving only his hat behind. Now, a giant unruly Scottish rabbit named Mixie Mictosis arrives at the castle to claim the hat and the Cuddlebunny fortune. But it turns out Igor's been keeping Mr. Cuddlebunny prisoner all these years to stop him from writing those awful little books. And wouldn't you know it, he chooses right this moment to make his escape. I think Decap Attack is getting sillier, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is exactly right that's tipping me off to this. But I think this is getting a bit sillier. Well, unless I'm forgetting something. I don't think there's anything in this episode that requires them to be spooky Halloween people in a castle. No, no, not yet, anyway. This is just a sitcom episode about anyone. And I say that, I think that's a good thing. Just the fact that we have these guys... God, Owen, if you were just starting reading this comic around here-ish, and you've got this one strip dedicated to a pirate and one strip dedicated to whoever these guys are... Well, I wanted to let you go through and save to the end because I, I don't want to come across okay. as a completely negative Nelly, but I hated this. <laughs> no! No! <laughs> I, I mean, like, so... Do you mean this morning when you read the comic or originally? No, originally. And, well, no. It's Did you fine. Have a <laughs> in general or this one in specific? Well, probably in general because I didn't know Decamp Attack was a game at all. Mm. Well, see, like, there you go. That's the thing. Like, if you don't did. know that, then you're going to be completely at sea when you open the Sonic comic and find this in it. It's definitely got its charm, but if it's a thing that you don't like at all, <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't look as good as Captain Plunder, you know, and it's about a Scottish rabbit and <laughs> named Mictosis. Mixie Mictosis. <laughs> and it's written out in a Scottish accent. I, I... No, you see, that'll do me, though. You know, we all know on this yeah. show I'm a mark <laughs> for the old accent-based humour. That's how you win me over. <laughs> and I just, I, I couldn't make head nor tail of what I was supposed to think. <laughs> but, but I think that's, I think that this particular Decapitrax tip is borderline incoherent. <laughs> Even by the usual standards of Decapitac, this is a bizarre one. It feels all the way through that it's like, okay, I guess this is like a were-rabbit sort of thing because there's a That's little... That's where I thought it was going. There's a little cuddly mm. bunny and now there's yeah. this big brute kind of bunny. But then it's not that and there is a cuddle bunny, but there's a cuddle bunny... In this like weirdo Halloween world with a guy, and I just have no idea what. Was. <laughs> I've had quite a few people contacting me saying that this era of STC that we're in now, this little cluster of issues, is quite a lot of people we knows on ramp, just where they happen to start reading, and that's you as well. And and we've got a guest coming up for the next episode that's the same. And given that, it's odd that decap attack lasts as long as it does because it does fit it is a bit like captain plunder where if you weren't there to begin with this must be a bit odd to see 
But it endures. But it's so even. So Mr. Cuddlebunny was previously introduced conceptually mm. in the nanny story, where we learned that there were a bunch of Mr. Cuddlebunny books. Yeah. But then suddenly, here, <laughs> out of nowhere, it's recontextualized that Mr. Cuddlebunny was the guy that wrote the books. Yeah. Not that he's the fictional character that exists in the books, that he was the author of them. And that he came to stay at the castle at some point. Yeah, wasn't it that Nanny used to read the baby Professor? Yeah, to, to Professor Frankenstein, yeah. Mr. Cuddlebunny was my favourite. Yeah, yeah. So this bunny's older than he looks in this final panel then. Because he looks young and sprightly, but he's older than the professor by quite a bit. He was my favourite writer, you know. How I love the stories of him and his fluffy friends. He was my guest ten years ago. No one has heard from him since he left. One day he will return and claim his head there. On that day the world will be a fluffier place. And he's got his hat under a little bell jar. Yeah. For some reason. <laughs> I have a. I, I know you like a theory. Go on. Yeah, love a theory. So uh, here, here's here's my theory uh, that yeah, will go some way to possibly explain the Cat and Plunder and now Decap Attack comics. Was whoever was in charge just okaying anything that had muscular animals? Hmm. <laughs> you, know, you if you if you can bring me a beefy animal it is a sonic comic that's rubber stamped right away (laughs) bam cut print buff creatures (laughs) (laughs) well i love this and this is exactly the sort of comic i want to read all the time i'd like if they replaced if you had seven pages of sonic and then the whole of the rest of the comic was just mucking about like this i've been in my element i think if you had the whole of the rest of the comic you could pace this in such a way that it didn't seem so incoherent and everything hinging on coincidence (laughs) like like so yeah, it turns out Igor's been keeping Mr. Cuddlebunny in the disused southwest tower of the castle. I've had yep. him locked up in the tower for years. I had to do anything to stop him publishing those terrible books of his. But he's coincidentally just escaped now, at the same time as the giant evil rabbit. I do have a critique here, which is that if I was locked in a tower somewhere, that is when I would write books. That would be the <laughs> ideal circumstance for me to get this thing finished. You don't know how much work I got done the weekend of TF Nation when Abby was over hanging out with toy robots and I was sat in the hotel room working. I got so much done. Yeah, lock, please. Someone lock me in a tower, please. I don't imagine that Igor has given him his laptop. Then. Oh, well, that's just cruel then. Yeah, Igor, cruel. And I assume there's working Wi-Fi, because otherwise I will have words. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's, like, because it's silly by design, it feels like, you know, you, you can get away with anything because, you're like, you know, like, yeah, what are you going to... You're going to start, like, combing through the logistics of this yeah. plot line. But there's just things like... So he wants the hat. So he's stealing the hat. And he says, whoever fits... This we hat. Excuse me, excuse me. We do accents on this show. <laughs> Ooh, I got a lot of Scottish friends. That means that you're all right. Oh, it's all right. I've got lots of Scottish friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, I'm saying they won't be my friends if they hear me murder the accent. Well, we'll be the judge of that, and then Dave can edit it out afterwards. <laughs> Whoever fits this we hat is rightful heir to the Cuddle Bunny fortune. I a perfect fit. And you think worthy of Mel Gibson himself? <laughs> <laughs> why? Why would like? What's that about? Where's that come from? Yeah, mm. 
because like you read that sense and you think, well, I, I have to go back a page because he will have said something that nope. makes that make sense. So why would he get the fortune? No, there's Are people going to say, oh look, there he is. Yeah, no, th- that's the hat. My beef with this is the same <laughs> as yours. This is it's incoherent. <laughs> you know, I love decapitag and I love it being silly. But this is just a bunch of things that barely relate to one another smashing together on a page. Like, I understand what's happening. By the time I've got to the end of the five pages, I've composited enough of the story together (laughs) to be able to write a five-line synopsis of it that was read out at the top of the segment. But it's not... This is nonsense. This is nonsense. You guys are getting really picky. Yes, it is nonsense. About a Halloween silly comic. It's no, not no, Halloweeny about it. No, Dave, this because... Is, do you, do you, have you got a blog where you pick apart episodes of Rex the Runt like this? <laughs> Mr. Cuddlebunny shows up in the end, which immediately makes it all moot. Because nobody's going to say... Oh, sorry, man. Like, I, I see you're standing there, but he's, <laughs> but he's got your hat, so... Yeah. So fortune's going over here. No, clearly the hat is like the deeds to the fortune, though. It is. that. Yeah, you have to have the hat on. Okay. If he gets the hat, he'll have the fortune, but he hasn't got the hat. Does the bow tie not come into this? <laughs> <laughs> That's the deeds. That You can have his mansion if you've got the bow tie on, but the hat is the fortune. <laughs> and also, if he gets the fortune, so what? <laughs> like, Mr. Cuddlebunny being in the dungeon... That's the mm. problem. If this big rabbit gets the fortune, it's like, so what? He's not spending it. Well, yeah, but I mean, now it's his to He's spend. He's in a dungeon. Like, well, yeah, but the rabbit, Mick, Mick wants the money for himself, one presumes. Yeah, but I mean... He's an unpleasant large gentleman. He's probably got to go and spend it on... <laughs> Steroids. I'm trying to think of something <laughs> stereotypical. Haggis and neeps and tatties. <laughs> And tablet. He wants to spend it all on tablet. <laughs> and presumably cups of tea to make it possible to actually ingest it all. <laughs> you got to wash that stuff down with hot liquids. It's, <laughs> nobody's eating a full tablet without a hot drink. It's, on, a, it's it, the St. Andrew's Day special, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I... I I don't know if they chose to do a bit of a Scottish thing in the speed lines, which we're coming to, honestly, we swear. Yep. Because... <laughs> Nigel Kitching delivered a decapitac with a Scottish rabbit in it, and they were like, oh, we can make something out of this. Yeah. <laughs> or what? Or is it because it's whoever's, whatever it is, his day. By the way, I, I asked, I put out an open call to Scottish people I know in my Discord, um, <laughs> asking, what is St. Andrew's Day? Like, do you care about it? What happens in it? Because it, it seemed like that they were interested in tying the Scottish theme to that. Mm. No, they're not interested in it at all. They had nothing to say about St. Andrew's Day. So Sounds about right. I don't know what STC is doing. Out my way, you timorous wee numpty. I wouldn't dream of it. <laughs> I mean, I like that first line from Igor. If this is a, there's a ding-dong at the door, if this is a double glazing salesman, he's going in the pit with the others. I worry, I worry that uh, I've upset Dave <laughs> by coming in too hard on, uh, on Decapitac. No, I'm with you. It's not, it's not <laughs> a great example of Decapitac, I don't think. Uh, but I think that's why he's upset, because he's getting yeah, no, I'm outnumbered. <laughs> from both sides. Yeah, I'm outnumbered. No, it's all right. There's been, there's, <laughs> there's been enough praise of this comic. I'm, su- I'm surprised you are not into it, Chris, because it, it doesn't seem... E- like different to decap attack to me no no the content of it not so much i i find the storytelling to be lax (laughs) (laughs) decap attack what am i talking about 
that's that's where I'm coming from on this, yeah. <laughs> but I do. It isn't it by the standards of Decap Attack, this is a very incoherent random story. You're right. You've na- you've nailed that. That's what I like about it. I like a bit of random now and then, I think. <laughs> but, but I have the webcam footage so that I can read the comic on screen at the same time. I have yeah. you in a pile like three down and yeah. Dave is in the middle and looks like he is sandwiched between two people <laughs> just battering <laughs> what he loves. No, I'm uh, I'm all for having like active haters of this comic and Sonic on the podcast. <laughs> so I don't mind. Don't worry, it's got it's gonna get positive again before the end. That's a little spoiler there. I like the bit where he shoves the bell jar down on top of Stein when Stein tries to stop yeah. him taking the hat. And Stein goes inside it. And then his head just comes smashing out of it at the end when Mr. Yeah, Cuddlebunny appears. Yeah. Mr. Cuddlebunny, you're back! As soon as he's needed for a little grin. Next issue, it's three cheers for Mr. Cuddlebunny. Oh, I tell you, one of the other things I did giggle at was all yep. the names of the Mr. Cuddlebunny books you can see on the shelf. Yeah. Some of them just have words scribbled on them. Yeah, most of them, I would say, are just like a scribble yeah. with a word in the middle of the scribble sort of thing. You could see Mr. Cuddlebunny and his fluffy friends, the nasty mm. bump. And then you can see one that just says, nice, fluffy, pink, plump, and a bit. Cuddly, Mr. Cuddlebunny finds a hat. Cuddle, Mr. Cuddlebunny in a bit of a do. Uh, the lost box, and one that just says, oops, Mr. Cuddle. Oops, Mr. Cuddlebunny. It does sound like a believable name for uh, one of these books. I would like David to say a big nice thing about Decapitech, like in the interest of balance. Okay. <laughs> or I'll be sad for him. You don't need to be sad because I've now had this is issue ninety one of a podcast that has been very positive about Decap Attack over the years, and it's like you know what I mean? Like that that outweighs this. I don't mind, it's fine. But I don't see any difference between this and the ones we like, so just think it's good. The it's storytelling a... is actively different on this one, do. Uh-huh. Okay. No, no, we're, we're letting him have his nice bit. <laughs> I'm not sorry, yes. Oh, it's, okay, fine, but... it's fine, no, it's fine. Don't say provably untrue things and I won't contest them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, you, you, you heard I tried. <laughs> Q-Zone. q for what it's worth. Yeah, it's uh, it's the Ice Cap Zone and the Launch Base Zone and I swear these are just reprinted. I, I can't prove that they are because I'm not getting the old issues out to check but they might as well be. It's just they are what they are. What's in the diary? I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. I have a yeah, because on this podcast we like to take you back in time to the time when this was coming out and give you all the context and in the diary zone... I can do exactly that because I've got my old diary and here is what was... Because it's a Sonic weekend, folks. It is a Sonic-based time. Saturday, the 16th of November, 1996, I did buy Sonic 3D. The day. The very day. Oh, and did you ever play Sonic 3D? Yeah, I had it. You had it? Oh, yes! We were the three! (laughs) Did you like it? That's the thing. Because we did. Others didn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I did. You didn't have the luxury of disliking any video game that you own. No. You true, know, you true. could dislike a rented game. Yeah. And even then, that was tough <laughs> because it, it stung so much yeah. to dislike it. But like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't 
try to t- say that oh everyone was so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I did like I I played a lot of it because that's what you did and uh I don't know. I think I hated those special stages. <laughs> I mean, they're not good, but they're easy. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, they didn't, yeah. You've, you've, you didn't uh, hate them because you were stuck on them. <laughs> you've talked me around. But, um, <laughs> no, like I thought, I thought it was all right, but yeah, I would definitely be uh, loading up Sonic Two again before. Oh God, yeah, returned yeah. <laughs> Sonic Three D. Yeah, I was all right. But... Yeah, yeah, I, that, that broadly <laughs> sounds about right. Um, I really, really liked it, but but for the reasons you've just said, like I bought it. It, it. it was the first Sonic I bought with my money, so of course I liked it. I see. I got it for Christmas. What's your excuse then? <laughs> <laughs> I got it for Christmas. That's my excuse. I like it, but I don't. If I was to not like it for a reason, it would be that it was at the time the next Sonic game. You know what I mean? And it wasn't. Mm. But I fell for the gimmick enough that I liked it. Do you know what I mean? It was like, yeah, yeah, it felt like the future in some way. But fortunately, Sonic did not pursue a 3D future, and yes. everything was good. Otherwise, the then where would we be? <laughs> um, yeah, but we can find out exactly the ways in which I liked it, because it says here, so... Oh, okay, in detailed review. Did by Sonic 3D. As you know, it is in fact called Flicky's Island, because uh, in the previous diary zone, I, I knew it was called something, but I didn't know what. Although it was going to be called Sonic Blast. I, where I'm getting that information from, I don't know. Mm. Sunday, the following day, the 17th, uh, got to Volcano Valley in Sonic 3D. No comment on the quality of the game yet. That, that's coming up. Uh, wrote a comic script version of the game to send in to STC. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course I did. And apparently, I've, it, no, no suggestion that I started it. Apparently, I did the whole project in one day. Tuesday, the 19th of November. Cool day. It was snowing this morning, but I still went to school. That, that that speaks of a reluctance to go to school, doesn't it? Uh, it? Like we would normally. I think the reason why is that it was such a snowy day, as we're about to find out, that going to school seemed like the wrong thing to do. Yeah, seemed unwise. I don't know if this was this year, but I bet it was because it's our last year at like not big school. But there was a year where me and the two friends that I that I walked to school with were so overcome by how snowy it was, and the bus. Not only was the bus not there on time, but you couldn't even look down the road to watch it coming because it was snowing so hard. And we got, you know how you get excited about like, oh, if the bus doesn't come within 10 minutes, you're allowed to go home and have a day off school. That's the law. We just made it up. It got to the point where we were so nervous that the bus might turn up within the 10 minute slot that we had allotted it, that we hid behind a wall. (laughs) (laughs) So that so that if it came, plausibly, we could say, oh, no, it didn't come, and we went home. And then a, a girl's mum, who had shown up to make sure her girl was all right, ma- rounded us all up and made us get on the bus when it turned up, like, m- past the time. <laughs> Telling this same story to my mum recently, I remembered another detail, which is that one of us, Stephen, accidentally left his bag, like, out on the pavement, and that would be fine, except that this mum chucked it onto the bus, assuming it belonged to some kid, so he had to go and run around. <laughs> the thing is, right, until she showed up, we definitely would have got on the bus, we were just playing chicken with each other, but as soon as she was there, now there was, like, an enemy. <laughs> 
<laughs> we actually were like, oh, we got to hide now. I thought you were going to say made the executive decision to take you all home. No, wouldn't that be good? No. That's the worst possible result. Like, Doesn't yeah. she know about the 600 seconds rule? I know. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to say that joke before, but I had to quickly Google that my math <laughs> was correct. correct number of seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I just don't want anyone atting me after the show. No, <laughs> sure, no, no, no. We don't want any mathematicians correcting us on this podcast. It never happens. We're so good at it. Um, so I don't know if that was that year, but I bet it was. Um, as I got there, I noticed, got to school, I noticed the vast lack of people at school. Turns out, all the buses from all the different areas that feed into this school, all the buses came over 30 minutes late, except for my friend Ash's bus, which didn't turn up at all. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was informed that Mike gave up and went home before his bus came. So I was forced to socialise with Lauren and her friends. Oh, no. The thing is, Lauren, you know, went on to be one of our main mates. So uh, the, the, the start of a friendship on this very day. Soon, first lesson to be precise, Ash did turn up wet and bedraggled, only turning up at all because he wanted the first of a vast series of discs that I'm copying him. Now he has an Amiga, which I was going to give him today. The whole day was a complete laugh. So what we've got is a skive day. The, nobody's turned up. There's about four of us in the school. The teachers have to come in because they've heard that kids have started showing up, so they have to look after us. No one's doing any lessons. No one's do, taking any classes. It's just nothing. So then after school, there we are at the bus stop, the, the one that I got hit by a motorbike at in the previous bad weather we had. <laughs> and, uh, and Ash's bus still didn't turn up. So I said, well, tell you what, I've got a new Sonic game. Why don't you come back on my bus and my mum will drive you home? <laughs> <laughs> Even though apparently conditions on the road are so bad that professional drivers are unable to scale them, that doesn't apply to my mum. You just come back to my place <laughs> and she'll give you a lift back. And the thing is, once the child has made that decision, it is the legal responsibility. The problem. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so we, we went home and we played Sonic 3D, which, Ash agrees with me, rules supreme. There you go, Sonic 3D, it rules supreme. I mean, if someone who doesn't own it says they like it, yes. that's huge. That's, exactly. That's, that might be the one time that's happened. Now, he was, in a way, forced to play it. <laughs> yeah. So we have to factor that in. So if we find someone who didn't buy Sonic 3D... Yeah. And didn't have to play it because they were literally snowed into the home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and liked it. Well. There's, um, uh, there, that explains why I've always thought of the Sonic 3D music, which we must all agree, banging soundtrack, yeah? Yeah, it's good tune. Yeah. yeah. I tell you, that, that's not a strong enough response. It's very good. Okay. <laughs> And I've always thought of it as snowy music, including, you know, other than just the snowy one. And I guess that's why I was listening to it on a very snowy day. Um, now we have a bit of aftermath from the snow day. Mm. Um, Wednesday, uh, today, we were all back. Remind me to tell you about French. That, that's it. That's that entry. And then the next Remind day, me to tell... It's a, it's a book. It can't. <laughs> <laughs> and why not just write it now? Well, because, because well, I don't know why. It's because that entry is stamped 10.56pm and Good it's school God. day tomorrow. So, fair enough. Um, the next one, though, Thursday, the 21st. Well, I'll tell you about French now. Yesterday, I left for the stairs 
that lead down from French to the library, where me, Mike... So I don't know why this is reminding me about French. This is this is library, if anything. Where me, Mike, Lee, Stu, Ash, John and Chris eat our sarnies at lunchtimes. So I got comfy and I started eating and waiting. I waited and waited and waited. And 20 minutes later, I finally realised I actually have French and it wasn't dinner at all. <laughs> so I, I think what's happened there is... No one else has gone to the library. I'm just sat there tucking into my sandwiches in the middle of afternoon lessons and it, or, or morning lessons, whatever it is. And then I realise <laughs> I've been a very naughty boy and I need to run into French. Chris is rolling his eyes, which is what he does at me the most of the time. I just... You, how, I just <laughs> floated through life, I swear to God. <laughs> I'm not a clever person. <laughs> So I quickly went to French 20 minutes late and I got off lightly with the story that I got kept in by the last teacher and then went to the loo thinking it was still earlier because I'd got kept in by the last teacher. So clever little bit of, of lie spinning there and I get away with it. I have said on this show I still have <laughs> nightmares about being in school and not knowing where my next class is and I'm being really late to it. And you're just sitting there eating <laughs> the sandwiches. Nibbling away on a Snickers or whatever. Because you just you just thought it was dinner time. <laughs> and you know it's going to be okay because... I can always just lie to people. <laughs> and, it, and, and what's the moral of the story, children? It was. It was fine. <laughs> a mouthful of crumbs. Oh, I was tired yeah. of it. <laughs> Held in by yeah. the Half a scotch egg still sticking out of my mouth. And I, if, like, they're like, okay, sit down. No, wait, I am. The teacher just, just wanted to spend a bit more time with you, Dave. <laughs> Just a little bit of a chat? No, that would have Went been... Went back into oh, the staff in room trouble? at the end of the day and it was like, why'd you keep David Bulmer back? He was late for yeah. my French. I'm surprised you didn't get caught out. Yeah. Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> One, kept me in during what? It's another lesson. Secondly, it actually is a plausible story that I would have been... Any teacher of mine would have believed that a teacher <laughs> was annoyed with me and kept me in after class. That's not the problem. It's the timing of it. And it's the fact that, yes, they could check... But that by then they'll have forgotten. They, yeah, you know, it's, they, it's not going to come. Twenty it, minutes of fr- how long was the lesson? <laughs> Probably about forty minutes. <laughs> say, our periods were thirty-five minutes. Back to today. So it's Thursday now. On the way into English, a young man by the name of Soggy. <laughs> that was his Christian name. That was his Christian name. <laughs> a young man by the name of Soggy said something about Tuesday having been named Snow Tuesday, and the following conversation was born: girl who I don't know. Why have you called it Snow Tuesday? Me. Could it be because it snowed on Tuesday? Girl. Could it be that you're an idiot? (laughs) Strong comeback game on that, lass. Me. I now sit down next to Mike. Apparently they named it Snow Tuesday because I'm an idiot. Why didn't they just call it David Bulmer is an idiot Tuesday? Lauren, arriving at that moment. David Bulmer is an idiot. Me. Day. Exactly. I'm taking your head. It's so close to the f- toilet bowl at this moment. Dave, I swear <laughs> to God. We finish off with non-sonic news, but I think you'll agree. That was it. Historical- <laughs> that was the story. Yeah, Someone called you an idiot, and that was it. Yeah, that was that was that was the memorable yeah. diary so, entry. So you it? believe it, right? <laughs> I do believe that. I yes. really, you, I exactly. really worry that that's written in there. Like you won. 
I mean, that's uh, Holden Caulfield stuff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You know, like there's whole chapters of that book that's like, yeah, yeah, I think I came out of that quickly. Yeah. And you know, just from the information that he's providing, that interaction couldn't have gone worse. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what were you expecting from the life of Dave? <laughs> Sonic? This is not Sonic news. We finish with not Sonic news, but I think you'll agree it is a tentpole moment in the history of our culture. Okay, all right. Okay. That's a, no, that's... A- it's quite a bit of setup you've done there, Dave. Okay. Saturday, the 23rd of November, 1996. Everything I'm about to say is, in fact, what's written in the diary, okay? Okay. I'm not embellishing this. Today held the greatest television event this decade. The arrival of the all-American dysfunctional family, The Simpsons, <laughs> on BBC TV. The episode, quote, and then I just left it blank because I didn't know what episode it was and I hoped I would find out, (laughs) was shown at 5.30pm on BBC One and again tomorrow at 1.00pm. Gurruvi. Cool. Can I ask, how have you spelled Gurruvi? It is G-U-H-Ruvi. Oh, good man. Good man. Well done. (laughs) There was a correct answer. There was a correct answer. May, you, you may be surprised to know. Yes. Well done. Top marks. No need to see me after. And I have finished the diary entry there by writing dough. <laughs> Already a cultural sensation. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first episode ever broadcast on British television. That's genuinely interesting, though, to think that like we as a culture already knew like dough was... A thing. Yeah. He must say it in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's the first episode, what's the first episode? The Christmas well, probably they probably wouldn't have showed the Christmas episode. Well, it? look, you were looking cross with me, so I didn't read the previous entry, which teases this entry by saying that it's gonna be shown <laughs> the first episode besides the Christmas one. So yeah, we've already had the Christmas episode, presumably at Christmas. You see, like if you if you skip a bit, you'll pay the price. Yeah, you know it's a, you know it's true, it'll show me. Tell you, gotta have patience. It all comes together in the end, doesn't it? Every piece of the puzzle, you know. (laughs) (laughs) The term bloomer, meaning error or slip up, dates back to at least 1886, as has been discovered by our local etymology expert, Anna Bootsmagoot, of this parish. It's trickier to pin down an actual explanation, but we do have an article from 1919 in a New Zealand newspaper, although it attributes the word to America. The article is called Slang of the Criminal, and it suggests that bloomer was the word for an empty safe, as discovered by criminals upon blowing it up to get the contents out. They would set off the dynamite thinking they'd found a safe that's likely to be full of money, there'd be nothing in it, and they go, ah, this was a bloomer, see? And therefore a big error of judgment and a waste of everybody's time, and therefore bloomer, meaning embarrassing error or gaffe. However, I don't know why they called it a bloomer. News So this is something we haven't done in a while, which is where, because we don't have the news zone in SCC anymore, we're a little bit adrift. We're like, what's going on in the world of games? Not, I don't even, I haven't even looked it up. I haven't, we haven't not been doing it because there was nothing to report. I've just not been interested. But something called me to look up the November 1996 issue of Mean Machines Sega to see what was going on in the world of Sega. And we have some 
cast iron stctb content with a brief i think it's two paragraph little write-up here that's called sonic is dead long live sonic oh had me worried there <laughs> sonic extreme oh is as michael jackson would put it his dash to re sega have quote suspended the project indefinitely oh already yeah, it's gone it's happened we're not getting Sonic Extreme. They've suspended the project indefinitely, which should see a release, as our insider put it, when hell freezes over. Oh, wow. I didn't realize. I thought it hadn't been... I thought it wasn't, like, officially, officially cancelled until sometime in 97. Yeah, yeah. And I, di I didn't think we ever really, like, found out in an official way that it had happened at all, but, like, apparently they were reporting it as early as the release of Sonic 3D. Mm. The official explanations are vague, and on the lines of assessing the game within the context of Sega's other software coming up for release, but it's been an open secret since E3 that some influential people in Japan were unhappy with the project, saying it failed to capture the spirit of the previous Mega Drive titles. Yuji Naka, Sonic's creator and the producer of Knights, could hardly be made to speak well of it in interviews, and he may well have had a hand in the decision to can the project. Well, we now know that that's kind of true, in that he uh, saw it, told them, no, you're not using my Knights engine, actually, took it away from them, and they had to rebuild the whole thing, and, uh, yeah, it was it was... Not good, and he wasn't happy with it at all. But it goes on to say, Even as one Sonic kicks it, another rises from the ashes. And almost at the same time, Sega announced that the Mega Drive title reviewed in this issue as Sonic 3D will be converted to Saturn and, blimey, will be out before Christmas. If this doesn't sound like the Sonic title to inspire you, I can scarcely believe that this is when we get this. Another Sonic game started appearing on the net just days after that. This is a separate project to Sonic 3D, with the direct involvement of Yuji Naka, and rumoured to use a 3D engine. Similar to Knights, Sega have confirmed the game exists and slate it for a 1997 release, with the intention that it squares up to the best PlayStation and N64 software out then. So farewell, Sonic Extreme, but in all honesty, good riddance too. Hmm. Well, that's Sonic Adventure. It is. Like, it's gotta be. It's gotta be. We know. The only other thing it could possibly be is, like, you know, the 3D bit in whatever it was called. Sonic... Sonic Jam? In Sonic Jam. Mm. But we now know that that is built out of the in-development Sonic Adventure. So, mm. the, re uh, the day I buy Sonic 3D, that's when we find out Sonic Adventure is coming. That's thrown me for a loop. Well, but that's because I'm still in the dilated time of childhood. I still think it's a long time. Well, <laughs> yes, I mean, but it is... A, I mean, it'll still be another just shy of 100 issues yeah. before STC yeah. starts mucking about in the adventure ball pit. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. The making and release of games back then, it can really mess with your mm -hmm. memory because you forget how quickly things mm. happened. Yeah. I mean, the idea that Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, and 10 happened within five years mm. seems now insane when you have, like, Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 1 yeah. comes out after five, <laughs> six years, yeah. and Part 2 of that is going to be, <laughs> you know, five, six 
years after that. Assuming they make it at all, yeah. And so much was changing so quickly as well. The leap in our minds of, like, Mega Drive, yeah. Sonic 2, Sonic Adventure, seems like, oh, well, I mean, that must have been 15 years. Yeah. yeah. But it was so close. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was Sonic Adventure stuff. It, it is. Up. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. Yeah. It has to yeah. be. So there you go. That's interesting, isn't it? November 1996. Like, he takes a year off from having a game, and and then for him to come back with a new game, and it be such a complete departure from everything that had happened before. Yeah, because in that year, Sonic, with his one year of no game, everyone assumed was done. Like, that, that, it fell out of favour, that's the end of that. Meanwhile... Gaming changed completely. Mario 64, Tomb Raider. These mm. are the games you have to copy now, which, you know, put those two together and you get Sonic Adventure, really, don't you? It, and it's not like that now. That's not how fast games move now. Do you know what I mean? You can bring out a new version of The Last of Us now, as they are doing, because nothing's changed. There's been two Sonic games in the last decade. Oh, God. Could be right there. <laughs> a real one. <laughs> and a 3D one. <laughs> well, uh, sorry, I was when I said I guess I was really meaning Lost World and Forces. Oh yeah, Lost. Oh, I always forget about Lost World. Yeah. Mania also happened. Yeah, Lost World is the Sonic game that I purchased, played, and it made no impact on me to the point where I've forgotten that I've ever played it. Lost World was just one of those. Was this isn't really mm-hmm. Lost? Although it's technically a mainline title, it feels like a spin-off. Feels like a spin ball or something, you know. When owning the game just isn't enough to make it good anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's where we are now. Dark times for Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> uh, update, uh, since we recorded this, it's not where we are now. And another new Sonic game has come out. And I, I, I like it so far. I like it so far. I like it so far. More information as it comes. Don't worry, though, because... We're old now, but there's a whole new young generation of kids out there today buying bad Sonic games and pretending (laughs) they're good. (laughs) Bless them. Sonic's World Secret Weapon Part 2 Written by Lou Stringer, art by Roberto Corona Corona. Colours by Andy Pritchett, letters by Tom Frame Vermin the Cybernik unleashes his secret power, stabbing Short Fuse with his tail and infecting his systems with a paralysing computer virus. Amy saves the day by shooting one of the gumtree fruit hanging overhead with her crossbow. Its corrosive juices eat away at Vermin's armour and force him to retreat. The Freedom Fighters take Short Fuse to Techno's secret lab, where she sets about restoring his systems. But he'll be out of action for a while. Okay, look. Yeah. I swear I'm not cheating. <laughs> I don't remember these stories. I did not look ahead. And yet, for like the third time in the last couple of issues, 100% bang on correct prediction of what Vermin's secret power would be. Nostradamus the Hedgehog over here. Which is that he has a big injector on his tail, which he stabs short fuse through the heart with and injects a, and at first I thought he was just shocking him with it yeah. but then he says I've injected a computer virus into his system and I reader I said well, I was holding the comic and I read that line and I went oh yeah I'm so good that's <laughs> what I said out loud to myself <laughs> he pulled out his plum and he said what I, a good boy am I <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it 
I'm really just like in sync with the Lou Stringer think system up here. Like, <laughs> just because I, I guess the idea is that there was the thought process I had last issue. Like yeah. rats, they're plague carriers, disease uh, characters. Right, yeah, His yeah. name is Vermin. Mm. So what's the evil robot version of a disease? It's a computer virus. He's got a big stabbo on the end of his tail. He has. I won't deny it. Then Yeah, I got it right. Yeah, I got me. But he does have guns, it turns out. He shoots I-beams. Yes. Which is one of the top three coolest ways to shoot a beam. Um, yeah, to be fair. I mean, I, I loved this. What's well, about time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, if you give me a character called Vermin the Cybernick, you know, I'm already on board. Love short fuse. Basically, you know, like the robot versions of stuff in this. I just always right. loved. There was nothing cooler to me as a kid than... The robotic mm. that showed up oh in God, some of the yes. comic. Oh, Christ. And, you know, you could get the poster of that. Yeah. yeah. That had pride of place on the wall because, I mean, look at it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> and, you know, he's just so delightfully evil in that, you know, I want it to be. A siren. Like, imagine, imagine the, the evil heart yeah. you would need to just be like, I actually uh, signed up for this because I just love it. Just being evil. <laughs> and uh, the, the thing I want to raise, like over the course of this story, the Freedom Fighters repeatedly attempt to insult Vermin the Cybernick by saying rat features or rat face. Now, I, I put it to you. If he is a rat, <laughs> then at best that is an insult as about as good as hey man face <laughs> <laughs> you have the face of a man and at worst it's really racist yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah. like to yeah. like, in the most literal sense yeah yeah it is so if i had one thing i would change about this comic it would be vermin the cybernic saying to them like listen you know that doesn't work right <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm a rat and also, I've been turned into robots, so I don't really have... Rat features. Rat the features, face rat. But I guess, you know, it's a high-stress situation, so I <laughs> guess didn't think they're of, just, yeah. you know, they're flying by the seat of their pants. We, yeah, we all get that Lesbury Descalier, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> That's the one area, you know, where I think Vermin's design sort of falls down, because he's got that round-the-face tube rebreather thing, the, mm -hmm. the same thing Shorty has going yeah. on. But Shorty's got that because it's a squirrel's puffy cheeks. Oh, yeah. And they've sort of replicated it on Vermin as like an identifying feature of a cybernic without really thinking about that. I mean, he's got his little whiskers on there, uh, which is what I assume those things are supposed to be. Yeah, they're like little claws. And I wasn't sure if they were meant to be a robot version of whiskers or if they were meant to show that he's got sharp teeth in there more than Shorty has. I think whiskers. Yeah, I Shorty think so. Did, Shorty did used to have teeth. He did. I mean, he does still have teeth. He does. Oh. When he throws his head back, you can see them under there when he gets oh, injected. yeah. But um, they don't... I, I like them and they don't draw them prominently No, get the anymore. teeth back in, yeah. No, Corona's still drawing a really nice Shorty, though. All the proportions are right. He's drawing Nigel Kitching yeah. short fuse like we said last time. It's such a treat to Corona Street. Like, now that I am an active fan of Bob Corona's art, I just really like it now. This is a treat for me. Um, look at that! Look at that, Amy, at the top of the second to last page. That's a proper. You couldn't draw better Sonic eyes now. I tell you, it's the Corona Pritchett team. That's yeah. the that's the best one. Like mm. I don't think Corona's art has ever looked better than when it's been coloured by Pritchett. Yeah. Now I will say that the resolution of this is a little on the inelegant side. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> 
for whenever we did a brief Google around about gum trees last oh, episode, yeah. and Dave discovered that the Sonic Wiki has an article for gum tree fruit. <laughs> yeah. uh, we did not read the article. No. I nearly we did, but Chris to... stopped me because he quite because... correctly realized that that meant it had some kind of story significance. Yes. Even the Sonic <laughs> Wiki would not create an article for gum tree fruit <laughs> if it did not have some plot relevance. Frankly, this isn't enough plot relevance to generate a Wiki article, so like... It'll be a very content light one, but I understand the thought <laughs> process behind doing it. But um, it does kind of come out of nowhere at the very end. Amy whips out the crossbow and Vermin tells her, put the toy away, it won't even dent my armor. That's why I'm not aiming at you, Ratface. If you're smarter than you look, you'll notice that the gum tree sacks are my target. So she fires up there, hits one of those one-piece gum gum fruits that are hanging from the tree and it spews its juices out onto Vermin and it goes, and his armor starts melting. And Amy just says, it's lucky I remembered that in this zone, the gum tree fruit contains an acid gum that's corrosive to metal. And it's like, that is a very fortunate coincidence, isn't it? Yeah. But at the same time, with all fairness to it, uh -huh. I don't think there was any way to elegantly set this up either. Mm. Because if the first part of the story had done anything to establish that that was the case <laughs> for the gum tree fruit, yeah. Well, we would have known how this story was going to end before it even began. I think there's a way, and now it wouldn't prevent grown-up people from seeing where the story's going to go, but mm -hmm. couldn't we have had vermin throwing them at the freedom fighters going, you know, uh, I've got acid, I'm throwing at you, and they have to go, whoa, that's acid, look, it's melting the grass, or whatever. <laughs> maybe something about... I don't know, like, maybe the idea that the events are set in this zone for a specific reason. So what happens on the last page here is that the Freedom Fighters take the Cybernic to Techno. This is yeah. Techno's first reappearance in the regular fortnightly comic, you yeah. recall, since her introduction. She popped up in the summer special uh -huh. this summer. But this is her first showing back up in the comic since her introductory story. In fact, so that means here we have the moment Amy and Techno first clap eyes on each other. There it is. Yeah, probably right. Yeah, I don't remember if they met in the summer special. Could be, couldn't it? Yeah, but, uh, and funnily enough, it ends also with Short Fuse saying he's going to be out of action for a while as the computer virus is drained from his system. Like, they only just added him to the team and now they're taking him off again. Well, you see, I think the reason for that is that what the ending's doing here is that it's admitting it wouldn't necessarily be cool for Lou to shoehorn Shorty in as the main guy on the team every time. <laughs> because he does overpower them. He's metal, he's got lasers and all that. But it allows it to happen when it feels right next. And it gives Shorty and Vermin a reason to coincide hmm. when it happens because they're both out of action in similar ways. They're both off getting repairs. And so it'll make sense if they both resurface later on. So he's like, well, if Vermin, next time Vermin shows up, I'm going to be ready. Sorry, I got derailed by saying that. But what I was going to say was if there was a reason plot-wise that this story could be set in the gum tree zone to have like an industrial use for this corrosive, like mm. maybe Techno needed it for... Yeah something or maybe robotnik's troopers were here harvesting the fruit for an industrial purpose yeah and they used that to lure the freedom fighters into the trap with vermin and that but um as written as this two-parter i don't see any elegant way to have previously set up the idea that this is the robot beating fruit what's interesting <laughs> yeah the, the antidote to robots <laughs> they should keep a few <laughs> he's got a point yeah I mean, you can just chuck fruit at all of robotnik's <laughs> robots yeah that's really environmentally friendly that's they would love that why aren't they getting seeds and growing them everywhere 
Um, what's interesting, though, is that even though it kind of comes out of nowhere, like on the last page, oh, there we go, luckily I happen to know that this does this, but it's it's not out of nowhere because, you know, last issue, they set it up, it's called the Gumtree Zone, and it they drew, there they were, they were the fruit were drawn there, so... Well, yeah, yeah, but then the idea that the, like, gum trees are a thing, yes. and they don't secrete no. Metal-melting, corrosive acid. No. Robots are fine in around real gum trees. In real life. All those real-life cybernecks don't have anything to worry about. No. I do like Vermin, though. Yeah. I think Vermin is a successful introduction here. I don't know how much uh, of a future he goes on to have in the comic, honestly. Do you know what I liked in this strip? Page one, the first thing that happens is, Vermin goes, By the orders of Dr. Robotnik, you outlaws will be destroyed. And Tails goes, Looks like he intends to follow Doctor's orders. <laughs> Boing. Isn't it weird that we haven't had that more often than we have? You'd think they'd be saying that every other issue, and they're not. Yeah, because I can't sit here and swear it's not a joke that they've ever made before. No, but I don't remember it. But not often enough that um, yeah. that it sticks in the memory. Yeah. Yeah. I don't actually feel as bad for Short Fuse as I initially did, just now noticing how arrogant he's being. Relax. He doesn't look so tough to me. I mean, that is what you say before you get it in the neck, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, step back, boys. I'll take care of this. This shouldn't take too long. It's like, well, you kind of made your own bed there. <laughs> we need a bit more of that from Short Fuse, I think, to emphasize like his, his hot temper and his willingness to get into scraps, which I don't think has come across with the character so much. I've been talking about it last time, you know. That's something that was set up as part of the character's personality and his origin story, but hasn't really factored into much else that he's done, so... That's true, he used to be a real a real wise guy, didn't he? Nee. <laughs> Are we going to talk about Johnny Lightfoot's staff? Destroyed, and I'm sure zapped in half by Vermin's laser beams, Johnny alarmedly pointing it out. M- my staff! You destroyed my staff! I would say that will show up fine next issue. Yeah. Although, the way he does go out of his way, Stringer, I mean, to single out its destruction, and even have that panel at the top of page four of Johnny clutching it brokenly and looking at it quite forlornly. Yeah. You know, maybe. Maybe they might uh, might make something of it in the the future. The thing about Johnny's staff, though, is it is just a stick. Like, he can get another one. (laughs) He can get another one. But I don't want that. I want them to make a thing out of it. I want him to have to... I want to see him having to build it or something. Or give him a powered-up technological version. I mean, the thing is, though, they have just gone to see Techno. And I'm pretty sure Techno could weld a can onto the end of a pipe pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Also, they don't need the staff anymore because you can defeat Robotnik by throwing these fruit at him. That's it. That's it. They, they've accidentally they've given the Freedom Fighters too much power now. If those, <laughs> if those fruit never come up again, and they never come up again, then we're going to have to ditch this whole thing. Cause that's, I don't know, you haven't yeah. gotten to the end of that wiki article page. <laughs> that's never true. Know, <laughs> it might be like the final episode. They just... Yeah. <laughs> loads of... They've made enough jam out of it. Yeah. To just... <laughs> gum up all the machines they just they, they just carry dr robotnik and all of his robots <laughs> it says uh, stick with stc for a future rematch between the cybernics but next issue robotnik stars oh. in head in the clouds robotnik stars that's a rarity a robotnik centric sonics world i guess uh, i'll take it give me a robotnik strip yeah that's fine it's yeah. all good yeah i mean because now as you said last issue dave now sonic's world means something uh, sonic yeah. the hedgehog oh that sonic yes the strip the comic 
the podcast is about Sonic's adventures in the Special Zone, and Sonic's world is about what's going on back on Sonic's world. Yep. So it can be about other characters. Now that they have them clearly broken off, as compared to that unfortunate bit of overlap where they were doing the future Sonic story at the same time as Sonic was stranded mm. in the Special Zone. Mm. Dear STC, this letter comes in from Scott Goldie in Cumbernauld in Glasgow, and it's titled, Will He Go? Which sounds like it wants to be a Scottish thing, mm. but I don't know. It's a Will He Go? It just sounds, I don't know, I don't know, man. Something well, this it. one is from a Scottish kid, so they don't need to go too hard mm-hmm. in it. This is a whole Scottish-themed Speedlines page, remember, yep. though. Not everybody uh, is from Scotland, but it's a Scottish-themed. But this one's actually in from Scotland, yes. So Scott writes in and says, Scott... Ah, Scott from Scotland. Oh, bet he got a lot of stick when he left Scotland. Congratulations, your comic is cooler than Sonic himself. Between you and me, I think that a certain hedgehog should come north of the border and build a Sonic headquarters here in Cumbernauld. And uh, Megadroid replies, one thing's for sure, Scott. He'll be sure to take the fast road. Uh, uh, I love... Megadroid's response to this letter because God loves Scott Goldie from Cumbernauld. He's written a letter saying, I would love for Sonic to come to Cumbernauld. Yeah. And live here and be my friend. And Megadroid has said without saying it, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog will never come to Cumbernauld. No. But if he did probably run. I'm yeah. sure he'd get there very quickly. <laughs> yeah. But he won't. So, <laughs> but so, but here's a a Sega Mega hog tag. Listen to tide you over. If anyone want that, that would tide me over. Anyone could say anything they want as long as they give me a Sonic and Knuckles hog tag. I'd be delighted. I'll tell you That's that fine. hog tag was the most coveted thing. Yeah, in the world to me because yes. anything with that Sonic with and the Knuckles Sonic and Knuckles logo, logo the Sonic on it. and Knuckles logo was. It was just the coolest thing in the world. It's the coolest thing in the world, and here it is stamped into metal, which that's how you make something even cooler, right? You stamp it into metal. I mean, when you think about what a dog tag is, Mm. that is for children to wear so that if Mm. they are killed, they can be identified as Sonic fans. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is what I would want to be identified as. Sonic fan David Boomer was found dead today. This must have been Dave. Oh, my God. (laughs) God, he's everywhere. (laughs) He must have been going at some speed. (laughs) Still, though, that's metal. That's good metal. So... (laughs) The next one is titled Old Hand Sign. And it says, Dear SDC, I like the action in your comic, but I would like to know... This is this is drivel. I like. I don't know what he's talking about here. Yes, I'm sorry that this letter from a child, an actual child, is not up to your standards. <laughs> I like the action in your comic, but I would like to know why Sonic has to wear white gloves. Says Lucas Cutter, Leighton Buzzard, who wrote that down, put it in an envelope, stamp, licked it. It's a it. fair question, I think. Well, no, Lucas was onto something there because yeah. if their letter had been one word longer, they would not have won a Sega Mega Hog Tag because that is a letter that has been printed because <laughs> of its short length. Yeah. It <laughs> because of the limited space on this page. 
because uh, the Loch Ness hedgehog needs to be given its due. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Megadroid replies, Sonic says it's because he's so handsome grown. But it could be that it's one of those strange unwritten laws that applies to most comic heroes. Megadroid not wanting to go into the actual minstrel origins of the <laughs> laws, but I suppose they've only got so much space. Exactly, yeah. And the final letter, We Bald Patch. Dear STC, I have put every one of your center page pinups on my wall, but there is a small bare patch which could be filled nicely with a poster of tails. Can you help me? And that's from Ben Shillabeer Scarborough. And uh, I just... <laughs> this response... Again, Megadroid has just happily... <laughs> <laughs> just dispense with like the idea of delivering children's dreams yeah. <laughs> yes I suggest you turn to the center pages and fill it with a nice buzz bomber pin up instead which <laughs> as we now well know it's not even a buzz bomber <laughs> it's not tails and it's not a buzz bomber either it's like the, the reply is absolutely just too f***ing bad yeah. <laughs> no you can't but how about you take this comic roll it up and shove it up your ass instead <laughs> could you could you imagine working on Sonic the comic and a child's written in to say I'd love to see a Tails poster and just say that's not happening yeah. <laughs> it doesn't like, even why not? Make the easiest thing in the world to make happen but they must have had images of Tails lying around <laughs> like to beat the band it's like it's just, we could just slap that in there they haven't even gone yeah fair enough we'll do that next issue Stay tuned for one of them next issue. No? Ferran Rodriguez needs the paycheck for the badnik art, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Megadroid says, each. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little picture of him doing a thumbs up under it. A <laughs> couple of pictures here as well. Uh, Philip Lloyd from Aberdeen in Scotland has sent in a picture of Tails playing the bagpipes. Yeah. He's done up in a full bagpipe. Being all Scottish. Bagpipist? Yeah. What do you what do you be when you play a bagpipe? Bagpiper, I guess. Bagpiper, that's what, yeah. Tails wakes up all of Mobius, they say. Because they just have to get their little day. Yeah, because yeah, bagpipe's loud and noisy and unpleasant to listen to. Did you get it? That's the joke. <laughs> yeah. That's the joke. Um, is that a little knobbly knee he's got? Um, yeah, I think it's a knee. I think that's a knobbly knee. Just the one. <laughs> the other leg, unadorned. Good Scottish knee, that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, that's how you can tell that he's Scottish, is because of his knee. You'd ask if he was a true Scotsman under that kilt, but I mean, he goes about in the nud uh, yeah. constantly, so yeah. it's not gonna. He's not gonna put pants on for no, the purposes of this. Exactly, crushing on itself. Of course, he is. That's why he goes around in the nud the rest of the times. He's a true Scotsman. He's just going one one level further. And then the last one is, uh, yeah, as Owen said, the Loch Ness Hedgehog. It's um, it's one of those Sonic as drawings. It's just the Loch Ness monster, but with Sonic's head on it. Well. Oh. It could be any old thing, really. Oh, They've God, you're it right. very strategically, haven't they? You're right. We can see a serpentine neck yeah. and body coming down from Sonic's head and a tail curving in from the side. But for all we know, mm. there could be a dinosaur's body underneath there. There could be full-on big stompy elephant legs. Or, they could, or, or it could be a drag. It could be anything under there. If you, readers, if you look at this picture... Oh, this, by the way, is from Ben Simpkins of Tetbury Gloucester. If you look at this picture and you can recognise that... I think that the biggest clue is the tail because it's a recognisable sort of tail. It's got two sort of 
kite-like sharp rectangle bits coming off it with blue scales on and loads of spines coming off the otherwise green scaly tail leading away from that. So if that's a tail you recognise and you know what Ben has been... Or if you are Ben Simpkins, for God's sake, write in. That's the more important request, yes. Yeah. So out of that, out of all of that, they've tried to make everything a bit Scottish without, without you know, obviously explaining why. And... Um, the last letter is the only odd one out because it's only the word we in the title that makes yeah. it in any way Scottish. We bald patch. They've really tried hard. They've just added the word we. And apart from that, it's all exactly what they would have printed anyway. There's something about the very sentence. We bald patch. Yes. It sounds very Scottish. Wait a minute. What? This Scottish-themed speed lines yeah. has one letter yeah. that mentions Combernald and one piece of art mm. and they've lied to us yeah they're always doing yeah, as this as they do every one issue. two three times on this page they're always doing this oh and we found out recently because a friend of mine had her picture printed and it was a sports based graphic zone and he was holding up a shot put ball well my, my friend told me that no the drawing she sent in that was a chaos emerald they took a black pen and scribbled on the Chaos Emerald to make it black. <laughs> then they they lie to us in this comic. We can't trust them. They just made up Captain Plunder and then they <laughs> made up children's letters yeah. and said they, uh, they're Scottish. Yeah, it's a disgrace, isn't it? You they couldn't pull out a second a second letter. Yeah, out of all the- <laughs> that had come from Scotland or was about something Scottish. Yeah. Well, nonsense. Oh well. What a downer ending. <laughs> downer ending it may be, but next issue we're in for a short shark. Good. Short shark. Mm, shock! Because we got a piece of Richard Elson art here, clearly from Captain Plunder. Yeah. And yes, as, as predicted, I think quite obviously what's going to happen here is those sharks are going to get a gulp of Mr. Fry's transforming potion. Yep. So these big, beefy, brawny, sex, oh I mean, uh, 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 <laughs> oh. muscular oh. sharks just uh, going to come in. My goodness. <laughs> Plus, we've also got Sonic, the Wasp Warriors. Dr. Robotnik, head in the clouds. A complete story. There's also Decap Attack, meet Mr. Twitch. I feel like that's wrong that sounds like it doesn't hmm. refer to the second i don't know i'm gonna be no. keeping an eye on that we'll one see. It might we'll be. see we'll see we'll see we'll see virtua fighter kids saturn review kids virtua fighter kids saturn yeah review? Is, that, is that a game i'm gonna be keeping an eye on that one <laughs> plus oh my goodness a bad nick pinup they oh, good. don't even know what it's gonna be this did they haven't even decided what bad so nick they haven't decided what to do a pinup of but they look at Ben Shillabier, the only person who wants it to be something, and they say no. Yeah, but it's just a bad Nick, whatever it is. That is rude. <laughs> and a Sonic 3 Q-Zone beat the bosses. STC number 92 on sale Wednesday, the 27th of November, 1996. Oh my god, the 27th of November. 1996 yeah. is almost over. Yeah. It's Christmas soon. Like it's in 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 what three issues time? Yeah, two issues time. How have we? This has been too fast. Do you remember a minute ago? I was annoyed that we were leaving 1994 behind, 1995 behind. How are we at the end of 1996? Ah, uh, I don't know. It's time, Dave. We're not even gonna be forty for long. Okay, shut the. F- 
cop. <laughs> I only just <laughs> shut up. That's not the same. <laughs> That's the end of that. Hey, what do you think about that, Owen? Oh, it's, I, I mean, fifty percent great. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of fun looking at Sonic the comic again. When you were little, did you fill in your data strip and be like, you're half there, lads? I probably must have filled in one. Like, I wouldn't have been sending it in. No. Because I'd have to send these things across an ocean. That wasn't going to happen. See, I just assumed, like, I would gladly have tried my arm at getting a hog tag. But I said, well, they're never going to send it all the way here. In Uh, fact, I had a friend who was going to America. What? Which was, you know, dreadfully back in the days when in that real was, life, you know, yeah, when that was, yeah. Up, yeah, yeah. And I remember simply because America is where everything was. Yeah. I asked yep. them, "Will you keep an eye out for these like dog tags?" Like, oh. There was never an implication that they were on sale anywhere. Oh, I love that. But I just really hoped it's like, oh well. No, that's you know, how you think, isn't it? When you were a kid, that like, oh, there, there must be a way. I'm just not there. If I could just be at the right place. Anyway, for God's sake, this is a podcast. You can listen to other episodes of it. There have been lots. There will be many. More will be made, and you can find them and listen to them. You will be able to find those many new episodes that we have stretching out ahead of us at our website, stctp.zone. stctp.zone. <laughs> I thought of that yesterday, and it's been, I've been obsessed with it ever since. Or most places good podcasts are available. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, assuming there is one by time of publication, at Sonic Podcast. And that's where we post the pictures that people send in, and we retweet anything we can find to do with this. There's a whole community thing. It's lovely. You'll like it. Go to that, at Sonic Podcast. We're on there separately ourselves. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely. And I'm at Mecha Gamezilla. And you can also find uh, Dave and I on YouTube under our own names. But Owen, what's your YouTube name? If you look up The Infinite Review, you should find me after all the reviews of the novel The Infinite, (laughs) which is a bit of a pain. But (laughs) no, I I think you'll find me easily enough. And uh, check it out. It's good. It is good. Watch them all. (laughs) It's the sort of series where it doesn't matter what he's talking about. You're going to like it. Well, thank you very much, folks. That was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash stctp, where a donation of any amount will get you access to the bonus vault, containing complete read-throughs of the various Martin Adams novels from way back in the day. We've covered Sonic the Hedgehog in Robotnik's Lab in the Fourth Dimension, and the Silicon Warriors at this point, and the complete saga of Dave's mm. awful little fan fiction. Those awful little books. I want Igor to come and take Dave away and seal him in the disused <laughs> tower after making me sit through the end of Mobius. Joe could be on you. I'd smuggle in my laptop and write even more. No Wi-Fi, though. You really think Castle Frankenstein has Wi-Fi? Well, I'll just have to break out at some point and then deliver it to you by hand, won't I? Conveniently, just as I've come to claim the fortune. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the end of Mobius fortune. (laughs) Our opening theme was synchronised by Sonic the Comic The Band a band that existed before we started doing this and were already called that, and you can find them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we'll see ya next time. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. 
That's not good audio material, is it? 